0: hi everyone welcome back to the driving talk podcast um possibly soon to be name changed we'll wait there there is a similar podcast that's called drive talk that may cause some awkward issues (laughs) yeah it's a bit awkward um it's the silver lake sit down in association with silver lake automotive recycling and it's actually the first time i've been able to come to a circuit and talk to someone actually sit down face to face with someone and kind of talk through their racing career and it's actually quite apt that First of all, it's tied in with the Silverlake sit-down, and it's the head the head of the Silverlake C1 Racing mm. Series, but it's kind of like catching keeping up. Keeping it all very corporate there. Isn't keeping <laughs> it all very corporate, <laughs> but at the same time, it's catching up with an old friend. Um, so our guest today is Robin Welsh uh, of the C1 Racing Club, but when I first knew you, it was of Raw Motorsport. It was, and it was here. It was here. You were upside S- down over there. <laughs> <laughs> I was, and, and you helped us rebuild the car, so that would have been 2011, 2012, something like that, probably a bit earlier. But when I knew you back then it was you had Clive with you who's, who's here today and, and part of the furniture. Part of the furniture. No one knows what he
1: does. Just no 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 one knows eats what he eats food does. and sits in chairs.
0: Yeah, um, reminds me a bit of uh, the old priest out of um, on Craggy Island. <laughs> a bit like that.
1: One thinks he's my dad as well. I know. He's I thought that at first. He's just the guy that support he's been supporting me since Forever, and he's just always part of the furniture. <laughs> he's there if a car crashes, as you've seen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was he, he was on the case. But I mean, for you, motorsport obviously has been a very successful part of your life for the past 15-20 years. Uh, since Probably.
1: I was eight years old, is where it started from. Really. Yeah. Well, um, let's well let's go back to that. Then. wise so yeah.
0: Wh- where did it start for you?
1: So it was karting. So my dad had a welding supply company in Fareham. Yeah. Um, we were from Southampton, and on Saturdays he was stuck with me, sister was doing early stuff with mum, <laughs> and I didn't want to just go to my dad's office on the Saturdays, it was boring. So there was a fair, It was a karting centre in Fairham. And it turned out they had a, g- like a, um, uh, a subscription, like cadet club on the Saturday mornings, like, okay. a, like a regulars type club. So my dad on the way into work would literally just drop me at Ferrum Karting, and we just, there was a, g- a regular group of us, um, God, I, I can't remember the names, but it was some really, really good drivers at the time, mm. you know, um, girls, girls as well, was, it was really, really good, girls and boys, not that girls should have had any, any relevance, but it was a real nice mixed bag of people, and it was a good friend circle, so I've got a good social out of it as well, mm. um, and really learned some really good racing, because it was, what I love about racing is, is trust amongst other drivers, so because it was a regular crew like you get with club racing, you mm. can really start to know which drivers you can trust, which drivers you'd have a real good battle with, which drivers you know are going to be difficult and whatnot, and it, it taught me loads about racing from, you know, karting. just teaches you loads about car control anyway for me age, but the social side and the, and, and the the trust and respect, which is you know, really key for me in, in racing, you can have some brilliant racers with people that you trust and respect very well, someone that you, an you know, arch enemy with, you just can't race well with, it's not possible.
0: No, and it kind of almost teaches you about rivalry in the early stages, then as well.
1: It does, and yeah, like yeah, I'd much rather go racing with people that I trust and respect and have good races. You know, wing mirrors folded in, happy days, fine, but that's where it stops. Mm. You know, and and you can probably race, but yeah, it it started when I was eight, um, and that went on like everything does to to other levels of karting. Sorry about that. Um, Didn't go too high in karting because there was no no big family budget for it saved all my pocket money and whatever <laughs> that i could <laughs> no to fantastic to help doing what i could but um i started doing oval racing yeah a bad rep but you can do it from a very young age well the th- you say it's got a bad rep it's got
0: a bad rep when the driver that used to do oval racing gets into an incident yeah and then it's um i, I listened to a podcast once with derek warwick yep. and he said the same and th- it was a bit that frustrated him if he had a bad race. if he had a good race oh, what a fantastic drive. You know, f- dr- fantastic driver. If you had a bad race, oh, it's a dirty stock car driver. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You just you almost get hit with that tag, don't you? Yeah, you, you do.
1: Um, but again, it taught me a, l- taught me a lot about um, close racing. Yeah. Because you've got a quarter-mile oval, often mm-hmm. with 20, 25 cars. Um, y- you got to know what's around you and what's going on. You mm. know. So I started doing that when I was 10. Um, I did that for probably three or four years. Mm-hmm. Um, went from uh, Tarmac Ovals at Ringwood Raceway, which is our local seen lots yeah, yeah, yeah in there, lots of lots of banger racings and stuff and I always love watching bangers, I wouldn't ever do it but um yeah I did it at Ringwood first. I didn't like the contact, so I did mini stocks which mm. in the day is it's a stock car formula and they're allowed to push and shove. Um and I d- I didn't really like that. I come from karting mm. and I wanted to race and I enjoyed it when it was wet because I could race these guys but it's annoying then just getting thumped in the back and shoved out of the way. But that's what it's about and they but I didn't like that. So I then moved to a circuit in Alton um, called Tonga Motor Club. Um, great place. Like, mm. guys, if there was ever a, a place for a friendly environment, yeah, it was, it was just amazing. Really, really good. And um, racing in the dirt is where I guess my car control escalated again. Because, yeah, it's yeah. you know, loose, when it was dry, there was a good amount of grip. You know, it used to be able to actually lay rubber down on the dirt, strangely mm. enough. But, you know, if it was wet or slippery, you'd, you'd there, which was great, and then circuit racing came into my life, and
0: that's where it all kind of um so it got good, really, you know, it and, and really changed my
1: life, really, I'd say. Ultimately, I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it did because you know it was always a hobby. I always mm-hmm. loved racing, and God, you know, those that really know me know my street racing background, mm. shame, shamefully enough, but it happened. I had, you know, I was I was quite known. Southampton, and I've always had a lot of modified road cars, and yep. back when it happened a lot, you know, there's a lot of people that know a place called Hedge End, and it was um, the Hedge End Grand Prix was a regular thing, <laughs> 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 you know, um, but, you know, I, I think everything I've done, even down to that, you know, it, it teaches certain things, mm. and, it, and it does, but, yeah, circuit racing was um, where it all got real good for me. Um,
0: so it made a start, so was it production BMWs you started off with? Yeah, I mean exactly. It kind of ties in with Greg Rose, doesn't it? I was it?
1: literally about to say that. Yeah. So, randomly, I was working at Ford's in Hedge End, uh, Ford in China, Ford, so Ford. Yeah, yeah. And um, I bumped into Greg. Can't remember where, and I didn't know, but he was running a business called Export Racing, which was yeah. a division of Export Racing. Uh, a lot of you might know John Cross. Um, he's been doing it. I
0: run often. his. I run his panels on my focus. Yeah, that
1: is, so John Cross is Export Racing has been for years. So Greg started a, a southern division of Export Racing, essentially. Mm-hmm and uh, he was doing it with another guy, and I basically, in a way, kind of muscle, didn't muscle my way in there, but I kind of went there for a few weekends and evenings and stuff, because um, I, this goes back a bit, actually, I want to rewind here, so I met Greg when I was 14 years old, mm-hmm. working for a company in Hamble called Viper Motorsport, Yeah, yeah. Um, building Peugeot Race Cars, um, so I used to ride from school, um, get on my push bike, ride from school to Viper Motorsport, do... Hours there because um, mum and dad would get home at five or six o'clock so I'd ride from Viper get home for dinner and then I'd go racing with them on the weekends yeah um, and I met a lot of people from fourteen to seventeen I guess I must have 14, 15, yeah around like fourteen to seventeen type age um, for a few years and I met a lot of Nick Williamson yeah 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 so um, d- he used to race like Euro Saloon yeah so, exactly, so, yeah, so met Nick Williamson lovely guy um, and Greg Rose um, lots of other people. Um, Dave Bellamy, he races in uh, the yeah. b- um, the Tin Top, the, the the Classic Sports Car Club, forty five yep. minute stuff. Um, yep. he races his one oh six now in that, um, and loads of other people that I've now grown up with in adult life. They all know me as Little Rob, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I met Greg. So anyway, met Greg Export Racing. Yep. And um, I thought, you know what, this is this is great. I wanna I wanna be building race cars again. So we, you know, we discussed it all, and Greg wanted to go a slightly different way to have the business source going. So we made a bit of a deal when I came on board, and that was in Totten, And randomly, one of our customers, Craig, one day turned up with this E30 BMW 318 on the yep. back of a recovery truck because he just spun it into a tree, and he was like <laughs> all distraught and like, "Oh, what do I do with this thing?" And I've always loved real drive cars, and Greg went, "I'm sure there's a race series for these things," mm. and I was like, let's have a "Look, you know." And we literally two seconds of googling and about ten million phone calls to Liam Crilly. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, sport, yeah, um, yeah. Who I thought was part of production media at the time turned out he was just a driver. I'm sure he got very bored of me very quick, but he was <laughs> really helpful. <laughs> um, and yeah, wi- within a few weeks we got the car built and we were on the grid at, at Brands Hatch. Before I knew it, you know, did my arts at Bruxton. Yeah. Um, and yeah, before I knew it, I was I was on the grid, uh, ready to go out for qualifying at Brands Hatch in the production BMW. Right But it was
0: proper, for you back then, it was proper club racing in terms of you turned up in the car and slept (laughs) in the car.
1: Yeah, so there was one exception to that, which is the first ever race. Okay. Because Greg wrote, that Brands Hatch meeting, because Greg was racing with Martin Johnson in one of his RS500s, Martin, God, Martin's had most of the RS500s that you'd ever know Mm. of. Pretty much, yeah. But he had the Labatt, the Tim Harvey Labatt's car uh, at Brands, and they were racing that together. So they had the Arctic. So they took the Sierra out and then this little E30 came out. Of <laughs> course, the entire of the production BMW grid turned up and they're like, who is this guy we've never seen before taking his E30 out of an Arctic lorry? What do you think he's doing? And I put it, I, know, it was, I qualified very well for my first ever go out. you know, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was like first or second row. Yeah. But literally the first time into Graham Hill Bend, I cut the corner too much, smashed the sump clean off of it. Oh, no. Cause a big right crash. On the, right on the kerb. So I wouldn't but the best start. But after that, literally exactly what you say. So myself and Andrew Partridge were really, really similar in the fact that we drive there in our race cars. Um, empty the wheels and tools and everything out. You know, go do qualifying in the evening. Lay out a little airbed in the passenger side of the car. You know, sleep. go down, sleep, have the the sleep. the evening. Um, tuck stuff back in it and drive home. The only difference, I always said with me and Andrew, was Andrew would then drive his nice car to work. Monday morning, I got in my E30 and drove to work. <laughs> <laughs> so it was your daily as well. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, but what do you do? You want to go racing, right? Yeah. Um, wanted to go racing, and that was the way for me. It was cheap, it was affordable. Because E30s were, you could pick them up. You could pick them yeah. up for. Silly w- we, we paid like five hundred quid for that car. Yeah. Um, but you could get, you know, that time between 500 and 1500 quid, you could buy a road going E30. Yeah, so you, you wouldn't be able to do that now. You just can't these days. So that's why, unfortunately, that series doesn't really, you know, it's got, it's not in en- rounded
0: well, it's, it's got. I think it finally died a death last year when they realised they, you know, they changed the, they kept changing it and rebranding it, and then, you know, unfortunately, when they merged it with the production GTI grids, and they couldn't even get a full grid then, it was yeah. like, hang on a minute.
1: I think the cars just got too expensive, unfortunately. Yeah, it was al- it was inevitable. Yeah, you know, they're a cult yeah, classic the car. I it think it's the same like in them. it.
0: I d- well, I don't know if you you run a race series at the moment, so you'd probably be good to comment. But I think it gets to a certain age with certain cars and it should just be, if you're going to run a race series, just be aware that it could drop off at any minute. And
1: Yeah, it's all down to what the car is and I think if it's likely to be a cult classic. I mean, what I find strange is Compact Cup. When I was mm. running Compact Cup, which I'm sure we'll get onto, I was convinced these things, they're never going to be worth anything. They are the mm. ugly duckling of BMWs. Yes, they're a great car and they make a good race car, but they're a horrible road car. Um, they're ugly the back end, they're just all a little bit wrong. Mm-hmm. I thought they're never going to be worth any money can't pick a compact up now for less than fifteen hundred two thousand pounds. Mm-hmm. A road going through one eighty, you can't get them. So because the base, the, because they've got expensive, that's then made parts, headlights, all these E thirty six specific parts really hard to get. Mm-hmm. So suddenly, as a race series, it's like oh actually, it's not the easiest thing. That's why I quite like the way that Mazdas do it actually. You yeah know, the Super Cup, they've mm-hmm. just gone well. We don't need any of that front end stuff. Let's just make a one piece bumper, and you haven't then got a boy headlights, bumpers, and whatnot. You just just. Pull Kind of makes a lot of sense. I like yeah, the way it does, they've done yeah, yeah. that. Um, I think a lot of club racing series probably learn a lot from doing that. Mm. It's certainly something I am well, all well the time. To be fair, there's millions of C ones and I goes and headlights and parts and stuff around, so it's not a big problem for us. But as these cars get a little bit older, it might be something that we might have to look at doing um, to, to future-proof things. You know. Absolutely,
0: but but I'm I'm sure we'll come to that mm. when we when we talk about the C one. So back to production BMW. Yeah. So you you started off, you know. i say slumming it out, but you know, really, really, really doing the the club end stuff. But arguably you joined a grid that got very competitive very quickly. I mean, I can remember watching it on Motors TV. ABC grids for probably three years full on. Yeah, and Um. when you had people like Ben Winrow come down from Cleo, I think, was it Cleo
1: Cup he was doing at the time? Yeah, that was the previous thing that he was, he had a bit of a break from when he'd done Winrow and Cleos to actually doing E30, the last thing he was known for. Up. Um, and again people like that it's strange some people don't like it but all I saw from Ben Wimmer as a person coming into production in it forced everyone else's hand to up their game To yeah. suddenly actually think okay rather than just resting on your moles and relaxing and just being like yeah we're cool actually thinking oh wow we actually now have to think about this and we have to yeah. take a serious approach to this because this guy does know how to A how to drive with the wheels off anything Yeah. and B he's an really how a car works and how a suspension works. Mm. So you put those two together; it's, it's very, <laughs> very difficult to keep up with. Um, but we, you know, it was you know, really good. A lot of the clubbies managed it very, very well. You know, he certainly didn't get it his own way easily.
0: No, and and some of the other star names on that grid as well were d- were absolutely phenomenal, which is
1: nice to see some in C one now as well. I it think.
0: is, it is actually, and it's, it's quite nice when you are kind of in the paddock and y- you see them kind of walk up. Oh, Robin, you know, back yeah, yeah. in the.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. me and Rob Smith's probably the, the biggest, myself, Rob Smith, sorry, but, but yeah, uh, Rob Smith is um, my biggest uh, <laughs> competitive um, person that I've ever raced against, and me and him have got some serious issues in our heads when we race each other, Yeah, um, great, for the right reasons, um, unlimited trust there, you know, I know the guy inside out, I, uh, I trust him, we race well together, but we're both stubborn and we had an incident here which we always laugh about whenever we see each other you know we're going down the back straight here Mm -hmm. we both got a similar run onto the back straight and we're side by side and he looks at me and I think (laughs) yeah and I look at him and I'm like he's gonna break first I'm not I'm not breaking first no way and he's looking at me thinking I'm not breaking first no
0: (laughs) and we're going down the straight (laughs) and
1: I'm thinking this is getting we're going to be getting to the bridge and we're under the bridge. And I'm thinking, I'm not doing it. I'm not being beat by this guy. And before you know it, we both missed our breaking point. We spin out across the field, the entire pack drive past us, and we pretty much rejoined dead last. And after the race, we, we just spoke to each other, like, Why didn't you break? And he's like, Why didn't you break? I was like, because I'm not (laughs) being done by (laughs) you, and it's ridiculous. But there's these people in life that you just have this thing with, and you know what? Me and I've never raced so well with someone as how well I've raced with Rob Smith. My dad used to hate it when we raced together. Yeah. He just gets so nervous. My dad loves to wear a race, but he knows if me and Rob are racing, it's going to be full on balls out. Literally. Nothing's left. um, No. You know, everything we can possibly give. And the problem with this, it's not just that. With knee 30s, you'd have people like Liam Crilly there. In with us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day, you know, you have Mike Tovey, had Tim Wilson, um, got you know Matt Parks. He's, he's yeah, involved yeah. in c one So um, Graves, great, yeah. But, uh, not so much that this particular time. Yeah, this was um, sort kind of before they came that, along, you yeah. know. Um, and then Ben came along. So God, at the front, you know, it was just chaos. It was brilliant, though. Um, yeah, so yeah, some some okay. of the best years of my racing career for sure,
0: and probably some of the most competitive low-cost motorsport. Yeah, and, for it, sure. and it really was low-cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was back then. Yeah, Mo- it, was, it really was motorsport, uh, and and you know ran and and kind of that is that where the business for you? So, kind of away from the racetrack and kind of in your personal life, you decided to start up on your own.
1: It Came off of off of e thirties for sure. So I was working at export racing. Yeah, for Greg Rose, we moved to Basingstoke, bigger premises, and um, we were running a few cars as export, and a lot a few customers started talking to me personally a bit and just saying, you know. Doing this, how are you doing that? And mm. loads of people were always coming to me for advice, and I always had the answers. And um, I was kind of at a, a point in my life where me and the wife Vicky wanted to move back down to Southampton, anyway. We didn't know anyone in Basingstoke, you know, we moved there for the business, but didn't really like it that much. It was great, but it wasn't really for us long term. And I sort of thought, I'm young enough. Mm-hmm. If it goes wrong, I can go and get a job. Yeah, I've had right. nothing to lose at that point. We had no kids, we had no house, we were renting. And I thought, well, just why not? Um, so yeah, I spoke to, to to Greg and John, and they were great about it. You know, they understood. Um, and yeah, moved, got got a premises in, in Netley Abbey in Southampton from my, from, my, from my hometown.
0: Well, the f- the, fu- the funny thing is, I uh, that premises at Netley Abbey was literally round the corner from somewhere I moved to recently, um, and it was only just as I was doing stuff for Club Race UK, and we would, we got chatting again um i, I kind of realized as i came out of my road turned left turned left again and they're demolishing that building but raw motorsport was still on yeah, the side yeah, of the building yeah yeah still on the thing at the front yeah um and i was like bloody hell it's, it's one of those when you're thinking christ it is really is a small world out there mm. but that was the first premises that you had where you said yeah exactly
1: and then it it kind of just <laughs> it was great because from the second i opened the door we had some customers and i had a customer base and we had some work um clive luckily um Bought me a, well bought me. That's not right. He bought himself uh, a lorry um, yep. with some live accommodation. Took one car in the back, and then we had one on a trailer. Mm-hmm. So I then bought a little seven and a half ton twin deck transport, which Colin Tester now has. Yes. Um, so I bought that. So uh, with a trailer on, so we between the two two drivers essentially we could get um, three, two, three, four, five cars to a meeting. So we run production BMWs, and that. That's how And I did that for. The only downside to when I started raw Motorsport, which really was, it was hard for me as a driver, was I then couldn't race in that series anymore, politically. Mm. Um, it, I could do testing and whatnot and help people set cars up, and people knew I could still do it, but I couldn't mm. get out there. And it's really hard to actually watch, and it, I have the problem in, in C1, you know, yep. the same problem. But back then it was it was really difficult because it was great to have my own business, and it was doing well, and it's, it was fine. But it was also so frustrating, you know, watching these guys—brilliant friends, uh, you know, l- great friends of mine—watching them race, knowing and knowing where you would be on the grid as well, because mm. you've you've been doing it. It's not just thinking, oh, I think I would probably be there. It's like, no, 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 I know that I'd be in that battle. Um, so it was really sad, actually, d- stepping back and being behind the fence. Yeah, um, but you almost had to do that to grow the business. I had to, yeah, there. I had to. But I did still keep my hand in, so I started doing Project Eight race saloons. Yes, absolutely. Um, on the same weekend, and I can so remember watching so you so we know that, that the, the first one that I built.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That beautiful five series yeah, V eight, the five forty, the uh, the pink the raw motorsport down the side yeah. and the little pink details on it. And I, d- I I think the worst bit about that car is the fact that we both know that that car is now no longer.
1: It's no longer now, thanks to James McIntyre. <laughs> <laughs> well, he actually, to fair, I sold it to James McIntyre. He raced it in Classic, Thun- Thunder. Classic Thunder, won yep. the championship in it. Yep. Um, and then sold it to a friend of ours, <laughs> Jack Gabriel, who his dad, Tony, unfortunately decided to cut it up and put, no, all, the yeah. put all the bits in it. It's too fair, all the, the heart and everything is now in a, um E21 mm. 3 Series Batmobile thing, wide arch, mm-hmm. um, group one, would it be? Yeah, yeah, I'd say lovely so, yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, that car is no longer. But back then, I paid 1,500 quid for a genuine E34 540 six-speed manual. 1,500 quid. Wow. <laughs> that's why I raced it. Wow. You know.
0: But again, it's but you're almost doing... And it was cheap. Yeah, you're almost doing modified saloon racing on a budget.
1: So I paid 1,500 quid for that car. Ga- Warren and Market Gaz literally just hooked me up massively. You mm. know, they, they helped me out with so much of the suspension on it. So it was gas gaz gold twin tube front, and they made me some really nice gas mono aluminium bodied rears for it. Mm. Um, we... Dude, and fro with the valving a little bit and I got it handling really well. Mm. So kudos to them, that worked really well. So thank you for Gaz for that one. Um, but other than that, I literally just put the biggest wheels in it that I could possibly put on it, yep. cut a bit of weight out of it, although it had to be within 10%. <laughs> so the car had to be within 10% yeah, yeah. curb weight at that point, right? Yeah, because so it was
0: it almost, they were like Group N rules. I mean, you had to have the glasses. So the it was curb weight less 10%, so
1: it had to be 1430 kilos. That's a heavy car. <laughs> at the end of the race. Do you yeah. imagine what it was like with fuel at the start of the race? Absolutely. But what was great was I was keeping up with the three liter m three. So Colin Tester in his Sierra Cosworth at the time, yeah, Rob Sadler that. was in a three liter M3. Um, um, uh, Adam Sharp did it for a little while Absolutely in his, in his yeah. three liter. Although I couldn't really ever keep with Adam. Um, but I did have some results in that car. We did Zanvoort in that car. You know, some some great times. It was brilliant because I was running the E30s as well. Yeah. And then racing the 540. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, th- those are two series that are because uh, they were predominantly the MSV package, weren't they? When when the it was
1: Project Eight Raceloon was the, the the blanket, but it was run through MSV yeah, yeah, circuits. So they had some great circuits. Yeah, and absolutely. Brands GP, Branch and GP.
0: And yeah. So I mean, I think yeah. they're still. You can actually, if you go onto the internet, um, onto YouTube, nothing, no other dodgy sites, and you can actually find the Silverstone GP round and branch GP round. And fun fact: Rob's dad spins in both. <laughs> Oh yeah,
1: um, so that was actually a really good thing. Actually, when I was doing E thirties, was mo- you know, me and my dad had always been really close, and yeah. God for me, it must be seven years. Um, you know, we we raced in the same series together, which is brilliant.
0: Which is that that must have been the it pinnacle, it just being on the it r- great grid next to your dad.
1: Yeah, it was brilliant, and you know what? Um, he didn't have a load of good results, but the, the one he had, which you know, I remember, and those who did production BMW. Um, Tim Wilson particularly hates this round because <laughs> he got <laughs> stuck behind him was at Cabell Park. My okay. dad, qu- fluke qualified really well, fourth I think, and then he got in, he's, he was always really good at starts, so I think he managed to get the second, and then he dropped back to third I think, no it was make- I th- he did finish second overall, and I think Tim was third, Okay. but Tim just couldn't get past him, no matter what he tried, my dad just kept putting the car in all the right places, he wasn't blocking, he was just putting the car where it needed to be. And Cabo, you know what was like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, Tim just couldn't get past him. I think Mike Toby won. Don't quote me on that. I'm sure it was Mike Toby that won it. Um, uh, a- and, yeah, Tim was second. But I was a nervous wreck watching it because it was ABCs. So yeah. I was watching this race unfold. And I know how well Mike drives. And I know how well yeah, yeah, Tim absolutely. drives. And I know, you know, Tim's got a, a side to him. Like, we've all got that if you need to get past, you've got to get it done. One And I was thinking, like, I know what's going to happen in a minute. <laughs> <Crunch>. <laughs> um, there's going to be a, a suggestive nudge that he moves. But my dad just kept his head down and, and he got on that podium. And that was amazing. I had like a proud dad moment, mm. which was fantastic. You know, I really, really did enjoy that. And again, my, m- my mum came with us the whole time. So as a family, Raw Motorsport was a proper family gig. Mm. Would you see loads around the paddock? Yeah, he do. I know it's Ali's. You know Ali's family are really supportive with the Mazdas. You know, yeah, Ali squad, I- yeah. him and his, uh, his family, and you see it a lot in in, in uh, even in uh, c Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a that's lot of nice. and I like
0: a paddock like that. You, mm. you just there's something about the it the paddock is
1: what made E30. Those people that were involved in in the production BMW series back then hold those memories so fondly, and I'm sure every series has got it, its points and people remember it. But those that did production we know whether it be from the end, the fun we had at the end of the year bash mm-hmm. um, to the, the camaraderie we had throughout the year we went to spa twice with the club 07 eight, I think it was a yep. uh, guy Nigel Olive Jones got a big Arctic um, he had plenty of money and he just wanted to support the club so he bought a big Arctic with loads of stuff and awning and all the good stuff um, and he just, just helped raise the profile of the series you know these people just wanted to help spend some money to help the series and make it make it great and everyone, it was, it was a, g- E30s was 50-50, social and racing, mm. and it was genuine 50-50. Mm. And that's what I love, and that's what, to be fair, we're, re- re- that's what we're trying to achieve with C1, and to be fair, it's very good, you know. It's in very In the evenings, we, we all have, you know, a good time in the evenings, and, you know, it's a really good paddock, and that's yeah, why I want to keep it this, so, because I'm I so fond of those production being W days so don't want it to get too serious and I want everyone to be in their camp and only in their camp. Mm. You know, I really encourage... I always mix up the garage plan massively mm-hmm. so that each team shares with different teams each time because I want people to get to know each other and, and have Absolutely. a fine time.
0: So, from production, BMW, very successful. How did BMW Compacts come about?
1: James Poulton. Sorry, Paul McCurlin. Paul <laughs> so McCurlin. let's start there. So, the, head of the BRC, current head of the BRCC. Current head of the BRCC phones me up. Robin. Yes. This is we doing this weekend? And I was like, got a weekend off, I don't know, just nothing. He was like, we got this kiddie coming into Compact Cup, Alex Dew. Mm-hmm. He's a bit handy. We could do with someone to make sure he doesn't like just have his own way, because it was quite early years, early days for the Compact Cup Yeah, um, at that point. Because Paul Paul's one of the early starters for Compact Cup, wasn't he? Yeah, so Paul started it with um, the guy who runs the one one sixes, Mark Bate. Yep. Um, then Paul just took it on, uh, on his own way, you know, and, and yeah, Mark yeah. did something else. Um, yeah, Paul raced it a few times at the beginning, but essentially it was Paul's thing. He designed it and ran it. And yeah, yeah. So he joined me up and he said, <coughs> you know, we don't want Alex to get it I- all his own way. Can you come and have a race? And I was like, yeah, I haven't got a car. You know, I've never driven a compact. And he's like, It's right. There's this guy, James. He lives near you. He's got a compact. Elliot at EDM Sport built it. And Elliot built a great car. So yeah, I was like, okay, if Elliot's yep. built it. I can vouch for that, I can, I can work with that, <laughs> just get it dropped here, anyway, <laughs> this guy James Poulton, who is now a massive part of my life, oh mate, James <laughs> is an absolute nut <laughs> joke. Captain Chaos, he's in my Love him to bits. um turns up in my workshop with this purple compact and I was like, okay, great, so he drops it off, got it on the ramp, had a look around it and was like, okay, well yeah, it's all put together, fine, just put a few clicks on it and I was like, well, that would do, let's just go and see what happens, mm. and yeah, rocked up, went out qualifying and... Me and Clive were chatting in the assembly area. Uh, no, in the paddock. We are in the lower paddock of France. It was raining a bit. So I was under the little warning thing we had. Little makeshift thing from B&Q. Nothing too fresh. Anyway, me and Clive were putting the world to And we were arguing about something. Me and Clive argue a lot about stuff. Yeah. And um, everyone was being called. And they were going up. And I was like, we're not out for an hour yet. I'm not going yet. Anyway, just carry on arguing. So we carried on arguing. And it turned out they bought the um, times they forward a good half an hour. Mm. Clive looked up and he's like, they're going on the grid nipper. I looked and I was like, that's not good at all. Got in the car a bit quick. Drove through the paddock, under the bridge, up the the road. Anyway, as I turned through the assembly area, drive down the pit lane, the race started. So I'm like, damn, missed the start. End of the pit lane, get held. (laughs) Brilliant. Wait for the last car to pass. Another 10 seconds, off you go. I'm thinking, oh, well, this is all over. Literally, turn into Paddock Hill and it, heavens opened. I was like, thank you, God. <laughs> um, and I won the race. 30 odd cars, over, and I, I went from last to first. <laughs> to one race, which someone did in Mazda today, actually. I don't know the guy's name, but the the Mazda Clubman Champion. Jordan, Jordan Pimley. Uh, Jordan what? Pimley, I watched it on live stream. You are a hero. Absolutely! Like it just was just what
0: a drive! I wanted to give him a cuddle. What I a mean, drive. the the, the BRSCC officials, myself, and um, yeah, because I've met Jordan a few times. He's friends with my engine builder, that yeah. built the engine for the Focus, uh, Andrew MJ Race Engines. Yeah. And I've met Jordan. He's a lovely lad, uh, and he, he just does it for a bit of fun. And what a driver! He in w- those he conditions, I was just he was him he well, he pulled the car up, and he was nearly in tears. He was at ab- the emotion was absolutely yeah. fantastic. Yeah. What that a drive! That. He
1: did twenty places in the first lap. I can li- yeah, I was watching; it was fantastic. But anyway, that's, that was uh, so I did that in compacts, and that was that was great. So suddenly, I had a bit of a name straight away in compacts, and I thought, yep. okay, well, E thirties is kind of on the decline a little bit for business.
0: Let's let's do some compacts. Well, so you kind of go into the next
1: model, yeah, aren't you? Exactly so it, it was a natural progression. So I built another one. Um, this was, I think, it was the next season. Yeah think i didn't really do a lot maybe n- nipped in and out i can't really remember we built another one anyway um myself and tom brown who was uh, sorry tom trotman who was working for the time which is my scrutineer roger's son yep small world again yep um so me and tom get this compact and i say let's do a nice job so we bare shelled it did my normal detailed thing you know so frames are all, all powder and every bolt nickel plated and you know it was everything was new and it was a low mileage engine so i just pulled it out and popped it back in um Yeah, spruced up, um, and brought it to Brands. Went out for qualifying. Um, there were so many cars there, I had to qualify out a session. This is when Steve Roberts was doing compacts. Yeah, yeah. So I had to qualify in with a load of historic stuff and all sorts of weird things. Okay. Because um, there was too many compacts to, to qualify mm. in session, so I qualified out of session. Um, qualified second on the grid. Um, so never met Steve Roberts. Suddenly, st- you know, me and Steve were introduced, and that's and in the <laughs> race um I tell you who else was in that race was um Colin Boyoff
0: Ah, uh, yes, yeah,
1: um, so it's great to meet him, and he's now he's doing c ones and he does Mazda's, masters yeah. um you know um small world, yeah, <laughs> and you know that that went really well. I finished second in the first race, and um I had for sale on the side of the car on the off chance and sold the car before the second race. I couldn't even do the second race in it <laughs> so, sold, so so we sold that car. Um, so that week's work was worth doing, absolutely. Um, and from then, I just said, "Tom, right? You know, we need to do this now." So, um, this was when the team dynamic—sorry, uh, the safety devices thing happened. Do you yep. remember Team SD? We had the three safety devices. Class? Yep, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So Aaron Lloyd um, and Chris—apologies, Chris. Apologies Chris um, Aaron Lloyd and, his, and, and Chris, one of the other guys, who worked safety devices. Wanted to do some racing, so we built two compacts for those guys, mm-hmm. um, and Mike Tovey yep. did a season or two with us as well, so essentially the three cars look the same, just different pinstriping. Um, Matt Parks drove one for a couple of rounds as well. Yep. Um, so we had the higher car fleet, and then naturally we had other people then that we ran um, within the team. Steve Roberts, we ran Steve Roberts for a year, we won the championship with Steve Roberts twenty six. Yeah,
0: because there's a poster i in your workshop. Yeah, in uh, the toilet. Yeah,
1: in the toilet. <laughs> so <laughs> just as you go for a pee, you just see Steve Roberts, exactly. sport championship winner. Yeah, as you're peeing, you're looking at Steve Roberts' helmet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was a good year because we had Mike Tovey out in my so in my car. Yep. For the season, Love Steve that. Roberts out when um, they were on the same team. Okay. But they were obviously you know battling for championship and and trying to trying to control those two. Was difficult. I've never done that before. I can imagine so that, that was hard trying to tell them to behave and make sure they understand that you know one of you guys needs to win the championship, so we need you both to finish each round. So don't take each other out. No, they were both going to remember Alton Park because they both remember what happened. They didn't listen at all and took each other out, which is going to happen at that what, one was point that of the That must season. have been a very awkward debrief. It was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, but it was funny. Everyone was <laughs> laughing because they kni- we all knew it was going to happen at one point because they kind of had this unwritten rule that whoever leads into the first corner fine they'll then lead for the first couple of laps yeah but so did proston and center and look what happened there <laughs> exactly right um and alton park neither of them led into the first corner it was side by side and i was just watching them go down the hill side by side and i was like ah, this is go. gonna hurt yeah, uh, and it just all went wrong um but it was great doing that and especially having Matt parks on board as well yeah because he's the guy's just you know he's a stick don't matter what you put him in I think Silver Lake found that out last year when yeah, he put, sure, put him in so the car. Yeah, for sure we put him in that was um, Anglesey, wasn't it? Yeah, because Chappers uh, broke his arm. He and fell and off and the, the scooter thing. And he yeah, yeah. was like, oh, we were going to get drive a driver car? And I said, well, Matt might. He's never driven a C1, but I'm sure he would be all
0: right. Yeah, it turns up, sticks it straight on the podium. <laughs> um, the right. funny thing is, Chappers came up to um, Silver Lake Towers a few weeks ago to pick up some bits, and we mentioned that. And Mike Chappers, every time he sees him, he's like, you know, you look after my trophy,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know. Yep, that first time in the car, Bosch gets a win. Fantastic. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's how we were doing compacts. Um, uh, we had I met Owen Hunter. We were running Owen Hunter, obviously in compacts. So we had a great relationship as yep. well. Um, this was when his dad was still around as well. Um, you know, and w- yeah, you know just working really well with all of them. Um, and then I decided to stop doing the race report at the end of the Compact Cup. Yeah, hmm. um, as a business, um, it got too stressful. As the God's honest truth, um, we all know at the moment. You know, Marcus and Ty- Midland tyres just had mm. a bit of a heart attack type issue yep. through being stressed with work. Um, as as happens. Yep. So I thought no, you know, and I could feel um, myself changing as a person. Okay. And because of the stress, um, you know, there was so much pressure at that point in Compact Cup run at the front and all the detail and and everyone was so demanding for the right reasons as a driver but it was really hard as a team manager to try and pacify everything and And at the
0: same time you've got the pressure of the drivers you're running you've potentially got pressure from other teams because if you're at the front naturally you've got that target in your back
1: yeah and I yeah it it was tricky you know and I just thought actually I don't like this and it was that was the end of 2016 when Everyone's hand and said, you know, it's been great, thank you guys, but I'm I'm jacking it all in. So, I sold the trucks, sold the cars, and just went purely workshop based um, from that point, you know, for a few years. Um, but that's when I started doing uh, VLN. Yep. So I wanted to still race myself. And I think that's it, I, I wanted some back for myself. I Absolutely. Missed, um, I and missed y- racing so much when I was yeah. doing compacts and E30s as a business. I still did bits, as I say. So, I did, you know, the um, Project 8 with the. Forty. Mm-hmm. I built a three-liter M3 that I had some good success in as well. Um yep. a Ford or three-liter M3. But all these cars, I'd build them, get success out of them, and sell them when they're valuable because that was a part of my business model essentially. Well, yeah, effectively,
0: you you had to do that to keep the business ticking over. Yeah,
1: building a front-running car, get it sold, you know. Um, but I did the TCV. So Absolutely, we're and we're that's we're that's where we met. Where yeah, yeah, here the twenty-four hour where we met, and that was through James Poulton again. So after meeting him racing his compact, um, when he put the compact up, he then said, you know, we've done a 24-hour race. And I was like, mm, no, but I'm keen. What yeah, in? Yeah. And he said a 2CV, and I just laughed in his face, didn't even realise it was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Didn't realise it was a thing. And then he told me about it, and I was like, yeah, cool, let's do it. And, and that I was with you. David Papp from Panaflex yep. so and Ali, At- Ali, Ali Atwell, I believe.
0: Yeah, Ali Atwell and David's, I borrowed his race suit because that's how prepared Team Beacot were. You know what James McIntyre was, with us. and James McIntyre it as was. well. There was five of you, um, and the first time you did it, and you did you did it on the same engine, and you finished was it seventh fifth. overall? No fifth, that was it.
1: Yeah, so never done twenty four hours before. Car that I prepped, so I was happy with the car prep, um, but it was God, it was still on an old Solex carb, which if you know TCs, had yeah, yeah. to be on a Weber to make the power. But it was on a Solex, and I was like, it's running really heavy on fuel. It's real fat, but it's safe. Let's just run with it. Keep the revs at six and a half for twenty four hours. Um, which has turns out was very low for one of those engines, but we were like we just kept going around, kept doing laps. Every time it came in, Clive put pretty much half a litre of oil in it. He got to the point where were not even measuring it anymore. he just mm. come in, he lift the bonnet, and he had a little cup that he cut up. Mm. He just poured it in, shut the bonnet. And there was a foreign guy next to us. Do you remember the, the guy who's doing all the motors? Yeah, yeah. And he came over and he said to Clive, This this is good. This is good. Yes. And then he just walked was away. It f- was it the Flying Dutchman? I can't remember who it was, but he just, you could tell that we realised they're chewing oil and that's what's killing them. Yeah, yeah. So we just kept putting in. Don't care if it's burning it, you can just keep having it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we just kept putting <laughs> all yeah. it that And we just kept going around, around, around. And, round and um, yeah, by total fluke, we ended up, you yeah, know, God, we had some mechanical issues like you do in a TCV. Oh, yeah. You know, James in the middle of the night was fiddling around with all the switches and turned mm-hmm. the alternator off. We didn't even know there was an alternator switch. Wow. Um, so <laughs> he'd come, come in with a flat battery, and then someone said, Oh, look, he's turned the alternator off. I'm like, what do you mean he's turned the alternator off? Of course, then we realised he can turn the alternator off. So we got it going and on my next stint. Every time we get to the back straight, I'm like, click, off we go. And suddenly you feel it. It's like, wee, <laughs> another few horsepower, and you can feel the difference. Blimey. Um, so no, it's back on. Yeah. I even got to the point where I was turning all the lights off on the back straight.
0: Yes, I remember. <laughs> I remember because there used to be a fleet, especially when you did the night stri- stints, and of course everyone would flick everything off yeah. on the back straights to get that a little bit more power. Exactly. You, you turn in and the the you turn it all back on. Yeah, <laughs> and you just see this gust of light and about five 2CVs turned up, and it's like, oh my God, this is unreal. Yeah. But that was proper racing and it was it was a good i mean for me it was a good learning curve to start racing for sure i mean certainly a learning curve with a college team that didn't even know what they were doing the yeah. car wasn't very well prepared And when you fly over from ireland have a big accident in testing mm. and then uh, you kind of knew your weekend wasn't going to start off well but yeah. but to be fair we kind of stayed in c- I, I remember messaging you quite a bit from then on just to just to keep it up with your racing and when i moved back i'd go and watch club racing and i remember watching you winning in the bmw and yeah, project yeah. eight and uh, and, and doing bits like that and i always kind of kept tabs on you
1: yeah and i've always been doing stuff i say it's in between everything in the business i've still tried to stay racing so you know yeah yeah, absolutely. A thing um kevin max did luckily i was very fortunate for the invite to do vln with kevin that max was did, so you know. that
0: was the picture of you in the e36 with the gas shock delivery on it yes yes yeah?
1: Yeah, so again that was warren and mark um you yeah know we, we went for a good, good few years we're actually doing a lot of involvement with gas shocks and mm. Know, great products and really, really friendly family. And, you know, they, they help a lot of people a lot more than you think that they do as well. Which is good.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but that invite
1: was brilliant, you know. So I was so fortunate for, you know, a really reasonable budget to be able to race, you know, the Nervo Ring. I was just over the moon. You know, I've been going there since I was a lad. Well, since I was, since I was test, I've been going there with, doing TF weekends with Paul Dickinson. You know, to be fair, it's me and Paul that went more than pretty much anyone else. Um But... To get to actually race it was was really good, and I can't thank Kevin enough for that. You know, um, did it two or three times, to- three times I think in the end. Mm. And you can't do it now. You've got to get a specific Nurburgring license and all that sort of stuff. And I think now I've got kids, I probably have to. Yeah, think, think a bit harder about doing it. But um, I did it, enjoyed it, and I did other stuff. You know, I've always done. I did the um, y- uh, 20. God, what year was it? I did BDC. It was a while ago. Probably 2012, 2011, 2012. Yeah, something like that. I thought, let's try. You know, I've always liked drifting a car around. And I thought, uh, I like drifting a car. Let's try and do it competitively for a while. But it turns out that doing a judge sport back then especially was very, very biased. And mm. You had to know the right people and have the right face and have the right social media following. And the oh you soon oh realise yes. it's it's all about the show. And it's a show. And, and now I understand it. I'm not, I don't begrudge it drifting is a, a show you know it's a bit like yeah, british, yeah, in my opinion it's like british drawing cards it's not racing it's a television program yeah it's kind um, really got that way is not it you know and that's what british drift championship was back in the day as much as i enjoyed doing it you know I d- mm. i'm a racer i want to absolutely across the line and I there's, know there's only
0: but there's only cert- you've still got to have this well i just feel you you still have to have the sporting element involved so you have to play the game and play the game fairly in terms of The competitiveness of it, because you look at where BDC is now, it isn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's now died a death. Yeah. Um, That was inevitable. I think BMW 330s. How how involved? Yeah. yeah, Okay. So now, when
1: was that? That was after Compact, right? Yeah. So I wasn't running cars at that point, but I knew Paul McCurlin very well. Still, we we (laughs) kept in (laughs) touch, and um, we were chatting, and it's like you know, we, we need a new series away everything, look at the market and um, BMW had to be Cause it was to not replace compact cut but it was the supposed to be step. not even a stepping stone, it's not really fair it was just supposed to be something else and yep. um, it was uh, it was always going to be more expensive and you know, was just going to be because it didn't want to be, it wasn't supposed to be another cheap series, mm. you know, it was supposed to be a bit faster, you know something mm. with a bit of power that you've got to Get a hold of properly and drive. Um, and yeah, three thirty challenge came about, so I did a lot development for it. Developed a cage with safety devices. Yeah, yeah. From so the through the links, with yeah, Aaron and, Aaron and Chris. Um, it was a really good cage as well. With the little bits that I didn't like about, I wanted it to be a bolt in because I think club racing, a bolting cage is a logical solution. because mm-hmm. You can smash the car up and just nine times out of ten bolt the cage in another car. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of tags. I really. Anal on it being a multi-point, but also tagged to the shell really well, so it was still behaved like a welding cage. yep um, kept the so stiff. So it was really good roll cage we did. Tied in the rear axle, so sorted out those issues that the 46 has with the rear axle pulling out. Just everything that I know was bad, it that sorted out, and then went to gas shocks, um, and they were really good. They kind of gave me free rein on what it was, so I designed the suspension very specific, to the point where you only had an inch worth of adjustment on the thread on your coilovers okay from the point where you fit the car you could wind it as low as it'll go and it will still pass ride height so I thought why develop the suspension that you can possibly fail right height when you have a minimum right height in the mm. Blue Book makes no sense yeah so I made it on its lowest position that it would still just about pass right height and then you only had an inch an inch worth of adjustment because why give everyone too much adjustment hmm one mate racing, let's limit the adjustment as much as possible. It just seemed logical to me. Yeah? Yeah, why give loads of you know loads of height adjustment they can then just adjust more and play more? No, let's just limit Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So damping again, I was very adamant it had to just be one way. Mm-hmm. You know, soft and hard, that's it. Um and um Uh yeah, simple soft and hard damping. So that was brilliant. Yeah they were monotube dampers on the back. Aluminium body monotube damper, um, which I developed with them. We did a couple of evolutions of that to get the the, um, the stroke and travel right, because yep. I'm really fussy about a damper being in the centre of its travel at right height. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm really, really fussy on that. There's a lot of race cars out there that you watch them, and you watch car's behaviour, and it's obviously just on the bump stops the whole time, mm-hmm. or it's the wrong way, so it's just lifting a wheel all the time, which is terrible news for a real drive car. Yeah. I made sure that the damper was in dead on the centre of its travel. Uh, we worked with IBAC on the spring rate, so it had dual springs all the way around. So the behaviour of the car was fantastic in the wet as well as the dry because it had a st- quite a good level of compliance. Okay. Um, the only thing I would have probably done differently these days because I know a lot more about the standard ECU is we used the SCS Delta ECU. Now the reason I did that was actually really valid though is because of Compact Up and a lot of other series have a lot of problems these days with the old, with the ECUs failing and, and the ECU issues and stuff because they're just old CPUs, the, the processing yeah, yeah, yeah. And things are old in these ECUs. So I thought well, let's just from the start put a brand new ECU on it and you're not going to have these problems, it's programmable. It got rid of the airflow meter, so that was one less thing to go wrong. Yeah. Um, they had some teething issues with them, yep. like anything. than it probably needed to be, so we probably wouldn't have you know, done that in hindsight, but it was the for the all the right reasons at the time, yeah. Um, and yeah, we just put together a simple package, Yeah. And, and it was great, I thought it just didn't really get the momentum that, that it should have, really, I then, think, that it deserved.
0: From what I can remember at the time, didn't Tegua have the M3 Cup as well for E46 yeah. M3,
1: so it there was a lot of choice at the time, Yeah. there really was a lot of choice at the time, and it wasn't a cheap car because you had to have the mandatory bits. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd done everything for the right reasons in my mind. So the mandatory bits were there. So it was a diff, the suspension. You know, so it had a Quaife um, ATB diff, which wasn't the best, but it was the cheapest option at the time. Yep. You know it was 900 quid for an LSD. Um, so it was the right. window kit for the rear so rear quarters and the back window were plastic windows but they're nice and molded so it looked like glass so it didn't look horrible Um, and also did a load of mandatory cut lines so I looked at everything bonnet boot interior panels and I made the car as light as it could possibly be because I wanted Mm. it to be a fast car yeah yeah and I thought well why not if everyone's allowed to do it so I made cut lines and that was in a build document light as possible and a lot of people didn't like that because it took quite a lot of effort to do that but in my opinion it was trying yeah the car was less than 1100 kilos when it was done mm. you know with 250 260 horsepower it was a good car to drive they're yeah, really, yeah. really fun I mean things. I think
0: there's still a few of them kicking around now that racing like BMW car club there is yeah
1: yeah yeah. they are
0: kicking around still um, um, Proper, properly um, built cars and of course there's, there's, there's the, the one that my one yeah the one that you and Paul McCurlin drove I was Donning. there, actually, that day at Donington.
1: Yeah, track day, championship, track, day trophy, track day Trophy and Track Day Championship on the Saturday and the Sunday. We did both. Yeah. And we won both, which we didn't expect to do at
0: all. Um, no, I can remember that, because there is the photo of the car in front into Red Gate. Yeah. Fantastic. Because yeah. that was Paul's car, wasn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah. It was. I built it for um, Auto Sport Show to release the product. Yeah. You could eat your
0: dinner off the inside, let alone <laughs> anything else.
1: Yeah, it was Esteril Blue, which is one of my favourite BMW colours. Mm. And I took it to the body shop. Um, this was Jack Gabriel um, and Tony Gabriel of Body Tone. Um, it's not a gym, that's a body shop in Bracknell. <laughs> but they do uh, hot rods, classic cars, um, you know, yank stuff, all sorts of lovely, lovely things. Anyway, mm. I said to him, I want Esteril Blue inside and the roll cage. And I said, to Tony, but I mean proper two-pack with lacquer, like polished like outside finish inside and he's like just what are you what's up with you he's like why it doesn't matter i'm like no no it's it's for sport, it has to be perfect and god they did an amazing job
0: oh they did i can remember i think the photos are probably still out there of the
1: yeah there's there's plenty around um. and that was a great car and yeah to be fair so that was actually really good repurposing those cars and using them they fit really well in a lot of classes as well you know track the championship they'd be brilliant in club sport
0: yeah, super sport endurance. Super sport or club sport, they'd be yeah, fantastic. I mean to be fair, the BMW um, series of well, the car club, the is 750, it fits well in with there because they've got a power to weight class anyway. Oh, of course, yeah. So yeah. effectively, that they actually fit in as as, as okay. their own class. And yeah. whereas the E46 M3s are just skyrocketing in value. They're, yeah. they're, they were expensive anyway, but my God, they're
1: so expensive now. And and, and they need a lot of work now. I mean they've got like mm. a lot that needs doing. To them if it hasn't been done, they all need bob bolts. They all need. Gaskets. there when you, you know, the engines are getting tired on them all. Yeah. The Rear axles are falling out most of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they. Uh, yeah. It's very expensive. But, um, but yeah. I forgot about all that. So that was something else we did. That was when we were at Thruxton So we moved from Netley. Yeah. To Corderidge. Yeah. Um, so Netley got, I got kicked out of Netley for housing being built on it, which it now is a housing estate. Yeah. Then we moved to Corderidge, but kicked out of there because that was being built on two houses. Big hours, That yep. was annoying. Luckily, Always then I Ray like. West at Fruxton, I've known Ray for years. Um, he had plenty of room up there, so he put us up for God, two or three years. I think. Yeah. Just squatted in Ray's workshop, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is great because we got the rolling road and Ray's super knowledgeable. So that was it was a good experience to, to be you know there every day. Was really good as well. Learned a lot there. And then we got the little place in White Parish where we are now. Still there the White Parish a
0: Garage, which is, it's yeah, a, yeah f- I mean, if you're, it's a very picturesque workshop to be at it's on its own. Nice,
1: it? So, obviously, raw Motorsport is still there, you know, we're still doing engine conversions, we still work on a surprising amount of race cars, actually, you know, mm-hmm. customers still bring them to us for work and maintenance and development, um, those that know me anyway, obviously, it's super hard, because w- outside of C1, I'm not at the race meetings all the time, so, you know, your name soon goes to. I don't know.
0: I think, well, in the, in the past couple of years, whenever your name gets mentioned, obviously through C1, people go, ah, oh Rob Welsh. Yeah. Um, I mean, predominantly, it's heavy BMW orientated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise, yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, it's what I've always known you for as well as mm. two CVs. It's, oh, yeah, Rob Welsh, BMW.
1: Yeah. And it is, like, oh God, you know, um, my wife always beats on about having a tattoo, and I said, that's fine, you get a tattoo, I'm getting one a Big BMW emblem here. <laughs> you know. mm. um, I, I do, but you know, I, I do love BMW as a product. I really do. Um, Not so keen on the, the super modern stuff, but as a driving experience, I love what they, what they can do. You know, yeah. really super passionate about the old E30s as well. Yeah. Love them, I took my, I developed my one stupidly. Yes, you did. Um, you know, that was a, a monster in the end. But again, I just shouldn't have done it. Really, in hindsight, but it was great fun.
0: I guess you learn from these experiences, and that was yeah, an E thirty yeah. that ultimately you turbocharged, and
1: yeah, it was five hundred horsepower, thousand and twenty kilos. Um, it was good, and I made it work in the end. But <coughs> again, I would have done loads differently if I did it again these days. You know, um, uh, and I, I wouldn't do it these days. There's loads of again, loads full of other things that I would rather do. You know, in hindsight, you should have just had a Chevy LS naturally aspirated simple, just bolt the thing in, some bigger arches so you can have some bigger wheels and tyres to cope with that big power, Mm -hmm. because I still wanted it to look cool on the 15s, and that's great until you go so fast that you realise, no, there's a reason why all these cars have got really big wheels, so they can have really big brakes and all the rest of it. Yeah. So again, just realise by developing something. (laughs) Um, I said I'd love to do another E30, but as you know, I'm in the middle of stupid, rusty old Ford stuff at the moment, so, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well you well, you tried to go racing in a four I tried to go racing in a Ford today,
0: yeah, it didn't go that well didn't we so we well. T- we just we won't talk about that, no. but I um, mean can bus um, yeah, see modern cars folks don't don't yeah. bother with that
1: can bus is bullshit, um <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, you, yeah, that's obviously you know what I'm doing with that at the moment, and again, yeah, mark to escort. Beaten on about, by the way. You yeah, know, yeah, I've got so a mark yeah. Mark Two Escort, um, got lovely Mark Two. Because I had a Honda S Two Thousand. Yep. That I beat up for seven years. Yep. My friend Paul Dickinson actually put it in first gear on the motorway, and the engine still survived that. <laughs> I put it in my S Two Thousand, and it lasted um, three or four weeks. And
0: oh, the yeah, the when you change it into the Mark Two, yeah. Yeah. So
1: I put that engine in my Mark Two Escort because I wanted a Mark Two Escort I have since I was a lad watching yep. Irish rallying and whatnot. Oh you yeah, know, I just pff, proper. Yeah, you watch Fine. people like Mad Frank rallying in Ireland, ah. and you're like, yep, one of them out too. Yeah, so I got one. one I wanted a big Revy engine, but I don't want to pay Millington tax. Um, no. When you know, my engine was making 270 horsepower, Rev 10,000 RPM, and full intents and purposes should have been reliable. In but theory. You can't, uh, but yeah, seven years of beating, it turns out the inlet valves don't like it eventually, and it dropped ahead. Nice. No. Which catastrophic failure throughout the rest of the engine, so it's now having a K series is K-Series the world it's just the m- it's, yeah, the most ki- it's the most tunable engine in the world and anyone can argue about any other I four know. cylinder engine whatever they want but you can't argue it if you understand what the K-Series is y- you can't beat it it, um, is a, it is a monstrous engine I will give it that so probably
0: one of the best engines ever made mm, apart S- from the Cosworth V8 that was
1: that ruled Formula 1 for years well obviously. Sure. but four cylinder wise you, you, you're just not beatable um, so I thought let's get the F-Series out because you can't get any bits for the things and no Series, you know, everything and anything, and do whatever you want with them. So. Seven A K swap, and then I'm going to be out in boards a little bit with yourself. Yep. And I'm actually going to do super sport or club sport with it because I like the longer races, and I just think it'd be funny seeing old Mark II going around there for two hours. Yeah, and it we'll will be at the front. Let's be honest. <laughs> I don't know, and I don't actually care if it's not because it's still on little 13-inch wheels with little brakes, and yeah. it's all a bit compromised. But e- either that, or it'll be on the live stream, probably sideways. It'll be doing some of that. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. But C1, I guess, is um, where everything went. C1 is, is, is where everything, 30, 30 absolutely. 30 so, permanent.
0: yeah, we'll just we'll, we'll we'll pause there just to remind everyone about Silver Lake Automotive Recycling. This is the Silver Lake sit down. Um, if you want if you want any parts for your car, reclaimed parts up to seventy percent of the parts, salvage auction as well. Um, Silver Lake have got the parts to use. So head to silverlake.co.uk for uh, more information.
1: Right. C ones. I'm gonna go back to Silverlake for a second. Okay, I was I remember being eight-ish, between eight and thirteen, I guess. In the years okay. I was racing minis, yes, and I used to go Silverlake every week for bits. Yeah. So even from a young age, Silverlake, who's now Silver the title Lake. sponsor for the race series I own, I've had a title with Silverlake from a young age. Yeah. Um, never knew Alan. I knew it was obviously the Preble family. Um, yeah. But I knew um. Uh, Gary and Adam, Adam more so when I was younger, because me and Adam were hedge end hooligan racers together. <laughs> um, I had my sk- I had my midnight purple Skyline R33 GTR, and he had a P1 Subaru. Yeah. Um, and yeah, those cars got treated in ways that those cars shouldn't have got treated back then. But that's what Adam Preble does. He's a hooligan, <laughs> and he encourages you to drive like a hooligan. And, and he certainly does. It's all Adam's fault. Yeah, yeah. Um, he'd, he'd, he'd but the fact the point was, so like, yeah. I- um, been going there for years, and it's actually quite—I've you know, known them forever, and I've used them all loads. So still use them now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. So it's really good. At their title sponsor, so that actually all fits in with my life massively. You know, the local to me, you know. um, and um, yeah, so it is a genuine part of my life. That's why it's now part of C1 Club. Fantastic. Um, so yeah. Anyway, C1 Club. Then. Well, C1
0: comes around, and you actually did a few years winning. A lot in
1: C One We did. So we were here twenty seventeen. The first ever C one race. Yep. On the grid. On pole. So there's a picture of yep. Sailor V on pole. Going why around the first why one. Um, is what is. That's what it basically means in French. what will be will be it is what is. And I've always been like that in racing. Racing is ninety percent disappointment.
0: Absolutely. And yeah. I
1: accepted that in life real early and it's just what it is what it is. You, know, you can't get stressed, you can't get upset. Um and we on a we had a WhatsApp group like modern way mm-hmm. and we're batting around and um, then it had to be a French name so we all batting ideas around and James McIntyre then literally just put C'est La Vie and all of us unanimously just you know, yeah um, we we're, were happy and it just stuck yeah. um, so obviously Bewitched C'est La Vie was yeah, yeah. one of the CDs that was regularly in the CD player absolutely um, and yeah, we had good success in that team. Not so much here straight away because it was myself, James, Paul, and Johnny Cool. Yeah. At that race, and unfortunately, when Johnny Cool got in the car, it dropped an inlet valve and destroyed the engine on the second stint. We were leading up to that point. It was myself yeah. and Seb. Seb, not Morris Fisher. Will it be the Mazda? Yeah, the uh, really successful uh, Mazda Mark One driver. Yeah, I'm sure it's Seb Fisher. It's not Seb he's gt guy. it's Seb G- Fisher. G- G- okay, so yeah. Seb Fisher was in a C1, yeah. and me and him had brilliant first in to be fair, and it's the first endurance race I ever did, so I wasn't driving like an endurance race. I was yeah. just driving like a sprint race, so me and Seb were just going at it. And of course, you
0: know, both from like both one, one makes stuff yeah. So yeah,
1: it was a great first in and we both got our hand over and you know, just went over and chatting to each other, just absolutely buzzing, because we'd had the best hour racing we've ever had. Um, and yeah, it didn't end so well, but after that, Put another engine in it, carried on. Um, and yeah, Sailor, we had great success. Went to Spa, 24-hour with it for the first time when mm. old club used to be able to go to Spa. And we came second, first time out. Yep. Um, then the Rockingham thing happened. Yeah, yep. Which we won the first one. Yep. Um, and we were leading the second one for 23 and a half hours before a dry shaft failed. I can remember. Because and and that was that in the
0: early days of racing live streams. Yeah,
1: so that was the most buzzing I've been to the most disappointing I've been in my entire life like the biggest high and low of motorsport has ever given me mm. you know, just totally distraught, 23 and a half hours you know, and it was us in Daltonator we weren't walking it, we were like you know, dum 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 dum, but we, we always managed to just keep that lead um, in the pit stops they jump us and then we'd get back up You know, and we managed to lead the, most of the, the actual track race and yeah, Josh our failure and that was the end of it we actually got a shaft and it got go and it going and finished 15, 16, about but we were we won one. We were leading 23 and a half hours, so we were a good dominant team in in C one. I think this looks to be like we one of the first teams uh, to really manipulate the rear toe on these cars. Yeah, you know, we um, just sussed out very early on, you know, loads of rear toe, make it steer and to keep the throttle in, um, and strategy. You know, I was super anal and, uh, you know, i do everything quite properly if I'm going to do it. Yeah. So I really worked out and with Paul Dickinson's help because he's super good at the maths and working out weird things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Know, it was quite simple that we just didn't, you don't have the car in the pits. If it's in the pits, it's not doing laps. Absolutely. And we need to do more laps than everyone else. So we, we were doing often slower lap times mm. than other teams, but uh, longer stints. And, and yeah, just great success. Loved it. Um,
0: still love it still love it and you famously have the car at the front of the photo of the biggest grid of c1s at at silverstone 99 99 cars
1: cars, silverstone gp and we were pole yeah and james mcintyre did that on his first time lap literally went out um we we sent the car out with um, knackered tires and i just put five liters of fuel in it and said, you've literally, this grid, you know, you're know, you going to have one lap and you've got to do it. He literally went out and his first time lap, bang, put the time in. And he just did another lap, come in. Um, and the rest of us just went out, did our three laps and parked it. Yeah. And there was no point trying. None of us were going to beat that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, but anyways. it kind of saved the car
0: for what was to come.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah.
0: And the success followed.
1: The success did follow up to one in the morning. Yeah. Um, so one in the morning, we had a two lap lead. Yeah, um, because it was wet and rock and roll, we were just thriving. It was Absolutely, brilliant. Yeah. Um, the strategy was working, so it was slightly lower. So, uh, uh, um, I think uh, did I do the first stint? I must have done. I think you might have done. Or was it Deco? I can't remember. But the, the strategy idea worked, which was do not go fast. Mm-hmm. So pull it from the very start. Do the what we call the banker lap time. So, loads of cars passed us. We started pole by half an hour in, everyone thought we had a problem. The commentary we were like, oh, Sailor all over, you know. We were 10th, 12th, 13th, 14th, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. we were way down. It was only after the first pit stop, everyone, you know, 98 cars had done their first pit stop and we're still doing laps. Yep. Still doing laps. Still doing laps. And then we pit. And of course, what people then didn't realise is we'd already got those mm-hmm. laps in the bag. Yeah. And the first pit stop, we'd already got jumped on we already, because we were going that much slower and conserving fuel, we'd already got that lead in hand. Yeah. Um, so it was only by the third pit stop, we just went bang, straight. You know, uh, the strategy, w- it was there, you could see it from the start. And I- and the other teams saw it, you know, a couple of the really good and clever teams came over and saw and they were like, yeah, we've seen what you've done there. And by the second pit stop, we just jumped up the leaderboard, to P1, two laps up, bang, it was easy. But then unfortunately, Chris Chadwick in the car. Had a bit of an issue. Cops, wet, just, you know what, in, in he's mustard, he's so good. Yeah, yeah, he is, yeah. We all get it wrong sometimes. Um, and he went in um, very, very slippery conditions. It was raining real hard. And he had to go tight because he'd just overtaken someone. So he, wor- he wasn't on a wide line, a wet line yeah, that we yeah. were on. He was on a tight line. It went really, really sideways and just didn't catch it. Caught a wheel in the gravel, went over four times and that was that so bugger <laughs> bugger bugger <laughs> for me because I was next in the car
0: yes because of course in those days so they had to take the tailgate out yeah s- so you screen you could kick it out tailgate
1: yep. off you could didn't have to have the glass um, and we got it straight and got it out again um, and we got rejoined um, 88 I think something like that, on the grid um, and I went out for a three hour stint in the pee and rain three hours I come back in, um, in the fifties, you know, fiftieth odd, and we had a pretty good stint, and we kept going, and we actually finished um, in the teens in that race. Yeah, we come back from eightieth to, to the teens, whatever it was. I can't remember the w- result. So it was a good experience. All in all, the team kept going, doing our thing. But um, <coughs> Mac Attack, you know, won that one um, from the back. I think we would have, we would have won it. Obviously, if, if we didn't have that role. Obviously, you say it's won 25 races never knew what could else could have happened but <coughs> you know Mac done their thing on that they done very well
0: and it was it was quite it was around that time as well si- uh, especially after the race with the 99 cars um you know if, we, if we're being honest C1 started to get a bit of a reputation um as sort of oh <laughs> a lot of incidents a lot of on the, you know there were touring car guys that
1: were coming in yeah there was laugh. a lot of problems because i think you know, a couple people used it as a stag do yeah, it, w- it got a bit. It was a bit of a joke, uh, kind yeah. of a reputation for a, a little while, which was a real shame because mm. those of us that were doing it regularly loved it, enjoyed it, and it was competitive. Yeah, um, and yeah, it was a bit of a shame that happened. So, yeah, but that it's hard to manage. You know, one-make series in the mm. wet, car-to-car car contact is it's not inevitable, but it's really tough mm. to. to you know, the cars, they haven't got a lot of grip, and they do slide around a lot, so a lot of the time, the novice drivers will go for gaps that you just shouldn't go for in wet conditions, not knowing that they're not going to be able to, s- the car's just going to slide into the other car, yeah, because um, they're going offline to do the pass, you know, whereas really, you know, you, you stay on wet lines, and you get a better run than someone, and then just mm-hmm. make the moves on the straight, driving out the corner. Um, but hey, yeah, it's just experience, you know, one learns from it.
0: No, Absolutely. Yeah. So how did it come around? Obviously, you've been in the C1s from the start, mm-hmm. so you would have got to have known the current owners. Well, the current owners at the time.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was um, Carol Wills, Philip Myatt, Nick Payton, and um, Merrick Cox. Yeah, four of them. And mm-hmm. um, Merrick's so sadly no longer with us. Yeah. Terrible. Um, and and Carol. Yeah. Um, but got to know them very well because when I started it, I read the rules. And I sent Carol Wills an email um, saying, right, uh, you're going to get to know me real quick now, because a lot of people would take advantage of all these holes that I've just found in your regs. But mm. here's your version with what I would do in each scenario. Yep. And here's my version of what I suggest you do with regs. And don't get me wrong, they were good anyway, but yeah. it was little details in my experience over the years of what I've seen people take advantage of. You found the loopholes, basically, and, and wanted found the to loopholes get them didn't t- I didn't want to take ava- advantage of them. I wanted the series to thrive. So I just pointed them all out. Um, picked up, Carol picked up the phone very quickly, and we had a great conversation, and he used my version of the regs. Um, so I was quite in with the old club from an early, early time, helping them. Technical aspect, mm-hmm. um, you know, just just wanted it to be good, and I was hoping that they were very super intelligent anyway. Philip and Carol were great engineers, and they knew exactly what they were doing from two CV days. Yeah, yeah. So they pretty much knew every trick in the book anyway. Yeah. see two CVs. Yeah, back, really it yeah. comes back. Yeah. Um, but I bought what I knew from all my years. You know, one mate club racing, and between all of us, we got you know a really good good set of rules, and um, I helped them out. It then came about that Merrick um, passed away. Yep. And Nick, Philip, and Carol had got to a point where they'd got it to a level they were happy with and just basically just wanted their lives back because it's, it's a bit of a monster yep. to manage. So it went out to four or five people, I think, um, selected people within the club Okay. that had the opportunity to bid for the business. Okay. Um, I was surprised when I got the call from Carol. I was one of those people. Yeah.
0: Do you know who the others were? Um, Bark. Okay, what well to actually buy and take the series on, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, of course, at the time it was on, it was on the Bark, box. was
1: yeah. Um, I think uh, a couple of other internal teams. I won't mention names because no, I no, not want enough. it, but a couple of other internal teams in see C1. Um, and who the other one? I think BRCC, MSV... And 750, I think, all the big clubs, I think, had a chance at it. Okay. But definitely you no know, bar. Um, anyway.
0: They almost it's almost like putting a contract out to tender, isn't it? it mm,
1: that's like all it was, you know. Mm. Um, and we all got the figures, and it, it, it was a very much a business thing at that point. You know, I, yep. I didn't know really what I was looking at. I've just done run a motorsport business, you know, a little mm. garage my whole life. You know, so got solicitors involved and looked at it all and um, spoke to the wife discussed it so I had to go for it. Had to sell the Porsche. Yeah. So I was very lucky to get a genuine Porsche nine thirty Guards Red nine thirty turbo for fifteen grand a long time ago. Yeah. In bits. I mean it was a roll it was a not even a rolling shell, it was a shell on a spit with yep. a box of bits. Um and I bought it and I've been restoring it over the years. It was basically my wife's thirtieth birthday present. She was thirty five I think or something when I told her about it. She didn't know about it. Mm. Said about c Club and how much it costs, but I've got this asset that's supposed to be for you. Here's all the pictures, and this is what it is. If we sold this, we can buy this business, so it can this and certainly go towards it anyway. Yeah, remortgage the house and all the rest of the stuff you have to do in life to buy a business. Um, and yeah, so I sold my Porsche that's in Australia now, um, remortgage the house, got a load of debt, and took the club on. Um, Carol. Carol personally really was hoping I would have it, yeah, because he was he loved how passionate I was
0: about it. I think from day one, the fact that you went to them with the rules and yeah. and pointed these things out, maybe j- j- they just realised. Yeah, yeah and, yeah, and that's they saw the sort of person I
1: was. So when we got P one in the first Rocky that we first Rocky twenty five that we won, yeah, we qualified. We qualified P one after qualifying. I got the car up in the air, all the wheels off, bonnet open, doors open. Took all the pictures of it, put it out on social media. It's up in the air, the bonnet's open, anything you want to know, don't start talking amongst yourselves and say how bent the car is. Come and have a look. If you want to know the toe settings, I'll string line it in front of you and show you our toe settings. If you want to know the tyre pressure, I'll tell you our tyre pressure, I've got nothing to hide. Mm. And Carol was surprised, you know, but I was like, I don't, I've got nothing to hide. And what was really funny, it was only two teams that came up and asked us Mm. what we were doing can't remember the name, but a team of real young guys, s- really sound. And um, both these teams, A, didn't believe what I was telling them, because mm-hmm. at the time I was one of the first people to run like 50-plus PSI on the tires. Yep. So I told them what PSI were running. Tires, the told them the tow settings were running. They all went and changed their cars to exactly what ours was, and they all found about three seconds in the first three or four laps of the race. The cars Bang, they done. just said, unbelievable, car's totally different car. So it's like, yeah, this is... Yeah, don't hide You know, d- and anyone—I'll w- tell anyone. I, I want a good race. I don't want to drive away with it. Yeah, you know, I want a good race. So I'm happy to tell people this information. You just got to ask. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, so yeah. So Carol wanted me to own it. I think personally, yeah, we had a good relationship anyway. Um, but it ultimately, it was a, a board decision. You know, board of old club took the bids and the highest bid had to win it. Yep. Um, so yeah, I was fortunate enough to to get it and. Take it on board, and that's sort of where we are.
0: So this, th- so this might be a part of the podcast where we, we look on a momentous occasion, taking it on, and then the C1 Racing Club comes to Snetterton, and that was probably the most. Okay. Uh, uh, and for you, obviously, I mean, you can tell us as much as you want to. Obviously, it's 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 a very delicate weekend. But
1: yeah, I know what you're gonna start. Yeah, <laughs> y-
0: I mean, your f- your first weekend with a club, and sadly. I mean it's through no fault of your own. Yeah. Unfortunately a driver loses their life. Yeah. Um, that was horrib-
1: That was a horrible day. And you know what, I was in tears and I still, you know, I think it's you know I haven't spoken about that for a long time. I wouldn't expect you to bring that up. No, no. Um no, no it's cool. Um but it shows Me and Tom really struggled, you know. We we stayed here on the Sunday night when that happened. Um because I just said to him, I can't, I can't drive home, and he can. You know, we're yeah, we're it just you think you're fine, you know, and just sorry, you know, a bit like that. No no just no, these I'm rushes sure. of emotion, and you think, you know, I didn't even know her really well, you know, but it's just when something like that happens, it shocks you in such a way. And God, it was unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the press release has gone out; it's very well known what happened now. Um, uh, just a fluke, o- a fluke occurrence that could just n- you couldn't repeat it if you tried. Do you want me to go into it well for, no, for, it's for it's what happened because there's a lot of rumours. I guess I because there's so many rumours, you know, the seat broke out, this, that, the, the cage is unsafe, the car's unsafe. No. You know, um she braked quite heavily into turn one, there was a car right behind her, there was the tiniest little nudge which sent the car sideways, and in her control corrections, her arms come through and she's undone her belts. And that's Yeah. You know, people can say whatever they want but that and it's all black and white in the current in the reports it's yeah out yeah percent. went to court obviously and everything it's a horrible situation but that's what happened and she then obviously made contact with the wall and yeah yeah and, and but um, but i don't want to go into anything else no no know, absolutely, but, um, absolutely fine but f- that from was your the unfortunate thing so what it has often brought what the good thing that's come out of that is really brought to light like where you're where your buckle should be and shouldn't be, you know, get that buckle low. And if you've got the steering wheel on, that your arms. There are anywhere should be no. Near, yeah, know, there should, should be no where that. Wheel, you know. Get your seat in the right position because she she's a very short lady, so sat very close to the steering wheel, and she was just too, yeah, yeah. too close to her. To a belt buckle, you know, and it, it was literally a freak accident. You couldn't repeat it; impossible, yeah. literally. Um. But the, re- but I mean, the
0: reason I brought it up wasn't to really go into it as such. It was just wow, what a start! Yeah, what a start it was, a it f- was a start, and I can imagine. I mean, you welled up just now, and I'm not surprised. Yeah. I, I, I was expecting that to, because you're a very yeah. emotional character. Anyway yeah, if Rob. you
1: know, yeah, people that know me that. Um,
0: yeah. And yeah. I, c- I, c- when the news obviously came out, I couldn't believe it because obviously it was jubilation. That, oh, Rob's taken over. To see one club, I said, "Yep, yeah, that's going to be." You know th- they've they've got a good keeper there for it, yeah. And then that happened on the first weekend, and oh you had God. to go through the emotions in the roller coaster.
1: Yeah, and you know what was the worst thing about that was the press. The second that we left here on the Monday morning, yeah, I gave Tom I put the phone down in the lorry. The phone started ringing. Must have been half past in the morning. And Tom picked it up, and it was someone from News of the World or one of the big papers, looking for the story, um, and it was horrible. And motorsport news um, were chasing for a story as well. I'm sorry if that's a moot point, but I, I didn't appreciate it. I didn't want to talk about it. You yeah. know, it was a horrible situation. And I'm driving home from Snetterton, and they just wanted the story, and it was horrendous, and it was non-stop literally got to the point where me and Tom just were, you know three phones between us the, the C1 phone and my personal mobile and Tom's mobile they got all three of those numbers somehow yeah which is um, that's quite a scary thought in itself and were on us hard so we just turned the phones off and, and just like you know Tom told one of them very much what he thought about him yep and we just turned the phones off and and that you know, for the next week or two I was getting emails and calls and god it was horrible you yep. know it was it was horrible
0: but the other thing, if if there's any, there's rarely any good that comes out of any situation like that. Yeah. But the bit that stood out to me was the fact that everyone rallied round. Yeah, the support. And, that was and great. at this, pr- I wasn't involved with the club at this time, but you could see it from distance. Hmm. The support that came in was phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I um, can't thank the club racing community enough for that. Um, I went to the funeral, which loads of people attended. There was a C1 convoy. Um, yep. Yeah, you know, and. Um, yeah, it was it, w- it was a lot of support there, right. um, but yeah, definitely not something I ever want to go through again. No, no, you absolutely. Know, um, and it was it was nice to finally put that behind us and, and move on and, and you know. Um, but she still
0: races with a lot of people in the fact that I mean, even in the on this look, we're in Robbins yeah. Race Lorry now. Her stickers are on each side. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you always carry Angie with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those that know years, she was a big character around actually most definitely uh, was a character from all accounts but yes. you, you had that SNET in your first year you, you go on to the rest of the rounds and uh, I think really that's when we started reconnecting again Yeah, I've been keeping an eye from a distance and it must have been something to do
1: with the podcast I think mm. yeah I can't really remember exactly what it was but I think I probably selfishly suggested that it'd be cool if we can get me and Tom on and talk about C1. Um, you know, just thinking, yeah, it'd be great to get yeah, out of there. That, that been, yeah, that would have been around COVID, wouldn't it, as yeah, well? Yeah, yes, it was.
0: So, we, s- yeah, I started the podcast, Club Race UK, uh, during COVID with Ian Waterhouse, and your uh, first season, yeah, you were one of the guests, and we reconnected, and yeah. then it turned into a race, seat. ultimately, for Nick and Steph, because I was still quite big. At the time, and I, d- I knew if I'd got into a C one at Brands, they were racing KAs at the time. Yeah, it was a straight yeah. swap, and um, but it yeah, kind so of allowed us to reconnect. Was
1: that the reconnect. first one, or was twenty five the first one? No, that was the no, first one. It was Brands at the end five. of the year on the yeah. Bart
0: live stream because, unfortunately, you had oh a bit course. of a mishap in that one, didn't you?
1: I thought you were going to bring that up. <laughs> no, and I'm going to say no. And the fact no, that you didn't have a mishap. I didn't. I was in. I was the unfortunate receiver as a mishap. Mm, yeah, and the driver at was at fault, got a £700 fine and points on his licence for causing the problem. But I had a monster. So I, uh, I said I'd never race C1 again because I own the series. Yep. Um, Nick Beaumont phones me on the way up. Robin, you got your kit? And I was like, oh, I've always got my kit. I never go to racetrack without my kit. That's like rule number one of any race driver, right? So yeah. That's what we do. Um, anyway, one of the drivers got COVID. It was a two-driver team and um, he, he needed the car out. Desperately, said so look, can you drive? Yeah, didn't want to for all the reasons, but Tom's Tom Brown. Um, I'm sure we are going into Tom Brown, but um, Tom said, Look, just do it, you know, we're here, we, we got it, we can control it. You're <laughs> only be in the car for however much time, just go and have some fun. And God, I did, you know, oh, yeah, I really did. You know, we qualified for um, Andy, and Tony, Tony did his he only went first, did his stint, and I got in the car 14th, 15th, something like that. Got my head down um, and got up to 4th, um, chasing down Quattro Formaggio, my favourite C1 still yep. to the day. Um, and I knew what car I was catching, so I really got into, right, let's, let's have it mode now, and I just got my head down, really got my head down. I was in 3rd, and Quattro, so I got 3rd, sorry, and then yep. Quattro was 2nd, and I was I was catching him two seconds of lap and I was like, this is happening. And um, I was on his bumper coming through Surtees into McLaren. Uh, we got on, you know, exit of clearways onto the straight. Big gaggle of backmarkers. He went to the left, so I went to the right. Unfortunately, one of the backmarkers saw Quattro and panicked and moved to the right, not knowing that I was coming up the right-hand side. But not only did he move to the right, but for some reason he braked. <coughs> So, consequently, his car, the back of his car, I just drove straight into the back of him. Mm. Um, I tried my best. And those that were on the pit wall saw my brake lights and saw how much I tried to react to that problem. Mm. But unfortunately, it was live stream. And from the front, it very much looked like I'd just driven into the back of him and forced him into the other gaggler cars and caused a bit of a crash. A um, horrible situation to be in. wasn't? It wasn't my fault at all. Um, but that was that all came out in the wash and... It was fine, although social media was a complete ass about that. Well, that's, that's the one
0: thing that social media is the worst thing for. It went
1: viral real quick, and loads of people started throwing their opinions around, and I got 10 or 15 real horrible messages. Really? What do you think you're doing? How you can't own the series and just smash people off the road like, you should be ashamed of yourself, yada, 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 like all of it, like just from all angles, it was horrible. Never had like hate messages real horrible, um, you know, you should hang up your helmet, you should, you know, get out of the club, you know, what do you think you're doing, like all sorts of stuff, and anyway, it will come out that, you know, I was totally innocent, and, mm. you know, that, uh, all the facts were the facts, it was, it was you know, not. You couldn't argue the facts, um, so yeah, but up to that point, I had a, a very, very good, good meeting at Brands, obviously Nick and Steph were, were racing, and I was racing in that one. Yeah, um, I think like they finished 10th in that yeah, one. They yeah, they did really um, well. Steph well. actually got fast as that. He did, yeah. yeah he did. Um, it's a really cool picture of that. That, that car, car hitting the deck with the Sparks. With the
0: sparks that's, that's, that's that's quite cool. That's and then the next year rolls over. Um, so
1: 2022, right? Yeah. Because 2021 was my first year, so it's be Yeah, it's 2022. 2022. We go to the pub. We do. For a meeting. We do. Right. For some dinner. Yeah, a bit of dinner and a meeting. A bit yeah, that's I guess when thing changed for you. We
0: well did. I mean, Nick and Steph got ultimately they they went driving. Um, so I think that it was a chat that we had. I said, "All right, well, if they're doing the driving bit, I want to do the broadcast." Yeah. And yeah, yeah it kind of changed for me a bit, didn't
1: it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely got more out of it long run. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, um, and it's cool. They had a good. They had a good. They had a very weekend, good race. Though, I think um, they were
0: they were top five. And yeah, like they were Nick got. Goff- yeah um, with Nick
1: Goff and T Morwin, I think um, if it wasn't for a stone that hit the, radiator, that the radiator
0: and cost them 13 minutes yep. they'd have been on for a podium
1: you know what was great about that Nick phoned me and said can you I email you with a load of questions mm-hmm. like I would with any customer Nick Goff yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah great and it was proper good intelligent questions and he just basically asked me the exact ins and outs of how do we do this Yep. give me the way that we can make this work and i just gave them a plan and they stuck to that plan perfectly absolutely perfectly and they they didn't do anything spectacular but no. they just kept going around and they were p5 it, it was it was on they were just it was going to do it they were probably going to get better than that and then so like the, the the luck here and they got a bit of change of radiator and that was that but um they were doing so well it was brilliant to see yeah, it was. Th- just by sticking to a very simple, basic plan. Which yeah, I'll yeah, tell fantastic. anyone. Anyone that asks, I'll always tell them the information. A lot of people just won't ask. Yeah, yeah. And it was
0: it was fantastic to see. And a, and a great result yeah. um, for all of them. And a real shot on the arm. And then you decided to, I think it was the Monday. No, after the 24-hour race, you took a couple of days off. You rang me on the Wednesday, I think. And then said to me, you're with me for the rest of the year. Yeah. So that was my
1: <laughs> priority. You know, d- the 24-hour was the first go at getting you doing something like that because um, from the podcast it's just such a natural way and i thought you know we both love aussie touring cars yeah and to bring that other element to an endurance race was really important to me because um, it's a bit boring just watching it live stream watching the cars go around 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 but yeah. when you suddenly add pit stop antics into that mm. and silly things and yeah yeah um fun stuff that club racing is yep when it becomes a proper good thing, it becomes a bit more of a TV show as well, when the guys at home can relate to it a lot more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have a lot more fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's really important. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, it's worked out really well with BRCC as well, Paul. You know, well, that's so, so,
0: so going on to that. So, if so between twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, you decide probably quite naturally, and you you know, in your own oh words, course, I mean, yeah. you can explain to it. So it was under Bark before C1s was was created under Bark, uh, the British Automobile Racing Club, and you decide to move away from Bark and go to the BRSCC. So how did that come about, and what
1: what was your thoughts behind it? Real simple. Um, I took it over. Yeah. Ran with Bark because it was with Bark. Contracts were all there. Yeah. yeah. It was just a natural thing. Carol and Philip, Philip specifically, particularly had really good working relationships with Bark. my whole world was built, or r- not a whole world, but my racing stuff. You know, me and Paul had done loads together through the compact cup work we have done together through 3.30 Challenge and loads of other little side projects me and Paul done. So you imagine taking on a business and then knowing that one of your best mates is running a company that does that. Yeah. Why would you not put the trust in your close friends? You know, I always like to work small business with close friends with reputation with, with suggestions and reputations and yeah. and um, it was just so simple for me he, he was very high in BRSCC at the time we had yep. a conversation and he said look you know I, I said what would be your situation if we were to come to BRSCC okay and um, he was like well you know of course we'll, we'll put a package together and if you want to do it great um, he didn't come he didn't suggest it or anything you know he definitely didn't want to do that.
0: You, so you went to Paul to ask the question.
1: And it was just a chat we were having just a pub type chat like we had you know it was like well okay, what would you know, happen if I was to run with you guys And he explained what they could offer differently. you know how things would be a little bit different. There was nothing overly wrong with the way we you know we're doing it with bark. It's just tiny bits. Um, and I'd run i have raced with Bark, I'd raced with BRCC, and for me, BRCC just felt a bit more natural a bit a bit of an easier. You know, Paddock Management and a few other little odds and sods. Um. Just felt a better fit for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. And um, maybe a bit more professional. Isn't it, so maybe that's not fair because Bark didn't do a bad job. I couldn't you know, say a bad word about him. It's just, I think, the fact that it was Paul McCurlin running the show, Greg Graham, who i known for years and years and years, since he yeah. 30 years, e in 30, e 30 Yeah, because, of course, he used to do... Um, well he was it. doing the Marang he was doing Marangoni tires when the yeah yeah. the Marangoni Tire series, so I knew Greg from then. Um so Greg was working for them, so two people I knew very, very well. <laughs> um and lots of others, you know, I knew Luke and it, it just all It just gelled just together to just fit so easy. And it was super easy. So yeah, we went over to BRC C. Um and I think it's working really well.
0: It is. I mean, it's so it's effectively been your third year fully of running the series. Yeah. What would you say has been, obviously, the, the, there's a lot of, everyone kind of thinks our race series, they just get the entries in and turn up on a weekend and it all happens. I mean, I've seen yeah. it. You look beyond the scenes with the BRSCC. <laughs> I mean, Charlotte and Luke and Paul and Graham, uh, Greg Graham and everyone, you see them working fastidiously mm. beyond the, the scenes. The reason why it's people's full-time job. Absolutely, and you know, they, they do a fantastic job, and I'm not just doing it because I'm working on the live stream. But j- genuinely, you see the the hard work that they put into it just to f- for people to go racing. Mm. Um, and for yourself as well, what's what's kind of been, I mean, we spoke a bit about what i with AG is your lowest point, but yeah, apart yeah. from that, you know, it's it's obviously a very stressful thing just, just getting cars to the grid, and especially this yeah, year oh with the cost of living crisis uh, yeah. uh, and everything that's bit. Yeah, it's tough. There's there's a lot there's a lot of highs, but there's also a few lows and a few worries in there too, right? Yeah, there
1: is. Obviously, I mean, every business got financial worries, um, no question or doubt. I mean, this year is particularly awkward because we we put on eight rounds rather than seven rounds because you know, we did a survey and most people wanted more rounds, so we responded to that. The survey people wanted longer races, so we responded to that. It just so coincides that it's quite simple maths. You have a longer race, it's going to cost more money. Yeah, because circuits rent the circuits per minute cost per minute. It's quite simple, mm. so it costs more money. You have to charge more money, so it has got a bit more expensive this year because that's what they asked for. So we responded, yeah. but in the year that we've done that, the cost of living crisis hit. So the the you know the working man, the PAYE man, which is generally the teams that we're seeing are picking and choosing, doing less. Mm. and They can't afford to do them all, which they would have maybe suggested they wanted in the survey. So. You know, me and Vicky are working really hard behind the scenes at the moment, and it's hard trying to, you know, pick at data and look at charts and graphs and try and see what's the best place to save money for the customer. You know, you don't want to under-deliver a product, you know, they've got Mm. used to a good high standard of product, so it's hard to keep delivering a good product, but ultimately without losing loads and loads of money in the process. Absolutely, yeah. So... um, yeah we we started planning next year, and we're gonna do our absolute best to to make it a cheaper year um but still deliver a, you know, a, a great product for the customers um, and the highs and lows yeah i um, mean your high points let's 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 go to the high points as well i mean highs i mean god uh, just i think finishing getting to the end of the twenty four hour stuff even just from a management perspective and running it yeah is great i mean 22, 24 hour, you know. I yeah, you, you got very emotional. I, I did, I, I I got me a bit, you know, I, I welled up and everyone on the pit wall turned around and started clapping at me, which didn't <laughs> help, you know. <laughs> um, but it's great, it's such a, an, um, an enormous task to yeah. organise and run and manage that many teams, that many people. Um, For 24 hours. Yeah, and keep everyone happy and, j- and just, you know, we try so hard, you know, just making sure everyone's got what they need and and it's so hard because you know there's inevitable penalties that happen and things at uh, three four five <laughs> uh, in the morning when people are tired and it absolutely gets, it goes down badly but ultimately well there's
0: know. also the post-race penalties that happen oh. as the 24-hour race finishes <laughs> yeah god <laughs> right you know so
1: it's all difficult stuff to deal with you know you have to be the bad guy sometimes which people don't yeah. like but i'm so passionate about it being fair and they're all yeah. being abided to um, and i'm real real particular for the rules a lot of people don't like that about me a lot of people find me a little bit harsh when they first meet me I do try not t- to do that you know I'm trying to work on my people skills but it's for the right reasons you straight know. down the middle you say uh, how it how I am yeah I am what I am I'm, I'm very much you see you get what you see but a rule is a rule whether it be a sticker being in the right place or running the right suspension spring or engine component you know the rules are there abide by them read them and don't just go straight to engine no, you know, you know your procedural rules. Know where your stickers are meant to be. Know where the sponsors are meant to be. They put a lot of money into this. Mm. You know, um, make sure everything's right. You know, and some t- people see some of the things I say. Oh, that's petty. Yeah, doesn't matter. Well that's your opinion, but that's fine. Go and race a modified series, but with the one-make series and the rules are the rules. If you want to do it, please do that. talked a bit
0: earlier about future-proofing. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, we sit here now midway through 2023. The world is changing constantly, yeah, especially, sure. um, you know, there is a climate crisis at the moment, which I think is coming a bit more focusing. Um, cost of living, parts getting a bit more difficult, and in the future, potentially, the C1s may hit that point. So what can you see potentially happening in the next
1: few years to sustain everything? Um, we're doing... Everything we can. I'm uh, I'm looking at potentially just giving the customers more options. So there's still a talk, we still look at introducing the five door car, which they use in Europe. So now we have to insist on a three door car. Okay. The five door car is the same wheelbase, same everything, just for five doors. So, and same roll gauge. So we're looking at potentially introducing them, It just opens up another load more potential cars to buy as donor cars. Um, So that's something. but it's when the customer wants it at the moment there's no need for it because there's still donor cars available really really cheap okay um but that's definitely something that i'm not you know going to say is not going to happen because i don't see a problem with it as long as they weigh the same they're going to handle the same s- sort of five doors so what yep. a lot of teams are actually quite for it because it means if you have a rear quarter hit you can just put a new door on it yeah um so in a way it make it easier to keep them looking nice which i'm really strict about as well absolutely um the other thing is the new model C1, so, yeah, so I'm, not naive, about that, yeah, I'm not naive enough to think that you can just stick with what you've got and yeah. never modify it, you know, in my opinion 2CV have done that a little bit uh, it's well kind of tailing it's off because you don't make 2CVs anymore, hence well the C1's well come along.
0: Yeah, well 2CVs effectively, st- it's turned into an engineering exercise. Yeah, exactly. Keeping them going. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, I- effectively it's become more expensive to run them because ultimately, um, You've got to re-engineer everything, or you've got to get stuff custom made. That's yeah, no exactly. good. Cost-effective.
1: Yeah, so we're looking at, um, yeah, you know, potentially looking at the new model. It's loads of complications because they only did the one I could potentially use for um, 2014 to 18. After that, it went to a twin variable cam timing engine and lots sort of other things. Okay, but 14 to 18, it was still a single carat with variable cam timing, three-cylinder, one-liter engine. Ultimately, the same. Just slightly different, and I'm talking tiny differences, aluminium some rather than steel sump—and just some tiny bits but power wise they're basically the same, I've had one on a rolling road and we know we're ballpark the same the springs we use fit, the suspension we use fits, the wishbones fit, the dry shafts fit, we've been through all that, ultimately it's going to work as a, as a product okay. it's, it's just kind of how and when we introduce that or even suggest of introducing it it's not something I want to do, because I never want to Make the guys with these cars feel that they're inferior. No, you know. But in the same hand, you have got to keep things relevant and modern. And there's a lot of teams. There's a lot in racing that people want a fresh looking car, and the newer ones do look more modern and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um. So there is going to be a stage where I'm going to build one. Me and Tom, anyway. You know we've agreed to buy one and build one. Um, Would you almost
0: have it as a C1 press car, almost, yeah, or something Yeah, we're just going to
1: th- have it build it and um, we've got the invitation class which is written into the rules now anyway Okay. For the, for the 24 hour that's now a thing that's in the rules and that'll apply for the, the shorter races as well on a, on a, um, a bulletin you know if we're going to have the car out it will just be out there in its own class essentially
0: yeah Um, we could almost ca- have a car like that and maybe get some uh, different drivers in there yeah well so too. what I
1: intend to do is put it with different teams so Yeah. teams can also get a chance of so it's not just a case of, you know, me and Tom going out on it, I wouldn't go out on it. But, you know, if I was to put it with David and Yeah, yeah. You know, Andy Mollison, they would probably go and win in the thing. But then I they could put it with Emacs. Trojan, Emax, they go and win the But the yep. point is if I then put it with a you know, one of the regular mid field teams or one of the teams that doesn't maybe take it to seriously, it'll just turn up fun, it'll also show them all how if it's different at all, how it's different and how it can mm. be competitive in the right hands mm-hmm. and how it's just gonna be the same as East. Yeah, in the right hands are going to be competitive. In the wrong hands, it's just going to go around and finish the race. Yeah. Um. Not wrong hands. It's not fair, but you know, people that just want to have fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we're not. You know, want to keep on that. Um, these cars, you know, um, I'm constantly on them from an engineering perspective, looking at what's breaking, why it's breaking. You know, we we just introduced another little kit on the C1 shop. It's a low oil pressure warning system the simple little LED light strip, um with a, a piece, you unscrew the standard pressure switch, yep. screw in the adapter, screw the standard pressure switch back into it so the oil light works. But you put our little switch into the side of it and it's a twenty pound oil switch, twenty PSI. Oh Yeah. yeah. Um, when they use a lot of oil, especially in a twenty four hour race, they use all the oil gets low, you get all surge. With this light system it'll just give you a little flicker, mm-hmm. you know, the light will come on. Yeah, on hard cornering, the driver will notice it. Pull in, put oil in the engine, carry on. Without that, you won't notice that. You can keep continuing. It will keep using oil. It gets to the point where it then starves itself of oil, and that's when they put, Bang, a, leg, yeah. they put a leg out of bed, and that's that done. Yeah. Um, so it's trying to prevent these engines going wrong because they, they're just using a bit of oil. Um, it's all these little things just to help it. Yeah, the little just the little tweaks in the model Yeah, code. just to keep it. And
0: I mean a big part we uh, we obviously spoke about cost and everything like mm. that and a, and a big maybe quite an understandable hit to the pocket. Um you've you've kind of had to follow suit the other series have had to with the introduction of alloy wheels. Yeah. Yes uh, so that was yeah, safety grounds.
1: Yeah, yeah. We had two go through windscreens. You yeah, know, luckily the windscreen's caught the wheels but with cars come in with them jammed in the windscreen and as soon as I saw the first one you kind of think okay fluke never happen again and I saw the second one come in I said to Vicky when I got home I was like I'm not being responsible you know for someone else
0: well that's well that's the yeah, thing um, so yeah, for with another that another d- C1 d- c- yeah I'm so d- d- did you kind of that was the first thing in the back of your mind it was th- I we I just we thought we've had that happen yeah. I was like no
1: this is just stupid um, and it was really frustrating and, uh, you know most teams were great with it um, a few teams were a little bit negative about it, it's not necessary. We don't over-tighten our wheels, so it would never happen with us. It's nothing to do with over-tightening the wheels. They're a standard, cheapo road wheel, and they where they were braking was just through s- the corning force, the wheel. They were just stress fracturing. Um, so they just had to go. They're not fit for purpose, they had to go. Absolutely. Uh, and the heat cycle's going through the wheel. Yeah, exactly. They get so hot for a 24-hour race. Yeah. You know, they're just you know, non-stop heat. And it was actually happening on the shorter races as well, so it was like, now nah, they've they got to go. So yeah, alloy wheels only. Definitely the right decision, it's gone down really well. And the new wheel is a proper bespoke made wheel from Team Dynamics, yeah. It's not a factory LO wheel, you know. They've got those that are using the old wheels fine, they do buckle and bend and crack. The new wheels are a proper motorsport wheel, they're designed for purpose and they work and they don't buckle and fracture and crack and things, so it's much safer, especially you know, the circuits with the big sausage. Go remember our conversation. Yeah at yeah Tomington? Yeah. You know, people there that are hitting those with our wheels, they might bend a little bit because anything's going to. But those are the older wheel; They're hitting them when they're splitting open like a road wheel would. So yeah, they're working well. That's nice. But, again, didn't want to do it. It was an awkward decision to make to have yeah. to introduce tell people, you've got to go and spend this money. But, unfortunately, yeah, we didn't do it as profit exercise. You know, the club had to invest over £50,000. And, again, I guess doing uh, w-
0: with, with anything like that, it's always a difficult Difficult balance, like you say, in the back of your mind, you've you've got to tell your customers to spend more money and maybe upset them, but you have got their best interests at heart ultimately because you don't want them to leave your series, you want them to stay
1: and and go. When you keep seeing cars come in with three wheels, it's not confidence inspiring. So no, no, absolutely. So you have to you you have to make the call on that. Yeah, and race receiver was a similar decision. Yeah, we wanted Clark to car communication because we've so many novices. Was the problem, and at night, twenty four hours was the biggest issue. You know, safety car—they just don't know what to do. They haven't read the rules properly to understand them and digested the rules. So we you know—people were just doing twenty miles an hour going around Silverstone GP, and the safety car was the other side of the circuit. They don't understand that they have to catch that car because the whole point of a safety car is a very small, compacted grid, so that you've got ninety percent of the circuit empty the marshals to be safe doing their job yeah that's the point of it that's why you want a tight safety car grid and it's, it's not enough understanding of that but with race receiver that we've introduced the clerk can call the car number and say hurry up now you are going to get a penalty if you keep going this slow catch up to the train You know, um, so that's worked really well so we're happy with that decision as well fantastic that's good. Tom Brown Tom Brown what a lad <laughs> Total mad how that worked out, right? Yeah. Like he's just been a buddy of mine through Paul Dickinson for years and years and years. He helped with Sailor so yeah. V. he was our wheel guy. He was one of our wheel guys for Sailor V. We had actually had four wheel guys for Sailor V, but he was one of our wheel guys. Always the fastest as well if you ask me, loves that fact. Um took on C one and he just he loves social media. I'm rubbish of all that, I really am terrible with it So I sort of said, cool, can you do a couple of posts for me And he started doing some bits and bobs And before you know it, he just just took a hold of that whole world You know, Facebook, Instagram, anything to do with it He just took a hold of all of it and just took over C1 from that perspective And started coming to the meetings And um, he hasn't missed one In fact, this weekend's the first one he's missed since 2021, first round that's just because his dog goes poorly. Yeah, <laughs> little poor Ralphie doggo. is doing good now. So but he's home so, now. Yeah, he's home. He's cool. So yeah, he's a good dog. That's all good. Um, but yeah, he hasn't missed me, meeting. And, and he's really been known as my right-hand man. You know, people. Absolutely. He, he's a he's a proper social butterfly. People love him. Yeah. Um, really likable guy, and God, he's brilliant. What I love about Tom is he's such a people person. So mm. I'm busy working the pit stops and doing my thing, and I'm when the race starts, I'm so into what I'm doing. If a car has a problem on the track, obviously I need to know mm, they're safe. That's my... Okay, the, the driver's fine. Well, Tom goes straight to the med centre. Before we know it, he's gone. He's just gone. He, d- he just drops whatever he's doing and he's at the med centre. You know, um, are you actually? alright? You? You've said, you know, they said you're right over the radio, but are you? Do you need anything? Can we get anyone for you? Mm. you know, what can C1 Club do to help you? You know, do you need anything? Absolutely.
0: And <laughs> um, to be fair, that's sometimes what a driver needs. Actually, you know, this club actually give a damn.
1: Yeah, yeah. <coughs> and And... Th- He's brilliant with that, and God, he does so much else. Outside of the race meetings, you know, um, we actually help each other a lot. You know, he's I forced him to start his own business, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I help him a lot with his business. Yeah, he helps big me up al- Tab World, exactly. Right, so if you need things welding up, he's your man. Um, big pipes and stuff. Look at Tab World he's got an Instagram for that. We'll just look at Tom. Tom Brown. Either. Yeah, Tom Brown. Most I mean. time he's just on bikes doing backflips. On, on <laughs> bikes or <laughs> questionable fashion or yeah. Ralphie. I mean, there's top doggo content. Um, and yeah, so I, I help him, he helps me. We we just get on, yeah, you know, really well. And yeah, he's an asset to the club. He really is. He really is. And mm. Vicky. Yeah, the lady behind the computer. <laughs> no one's ever seen. Although she's coming to Brantach. Good. She's bringing the kids. Good. Um, my kids have never been to a racetrack, um, by my choice, um, but they've never been to a racetrack. Okay. So, um, yeah, she's going to bring them up for the for the day and see what it's all about. My boy's absolutely car mad, so I've been trying to keep him away from it as long oh as possible. So dear. It's going to cost me loads of money, I'm it sure is of gonna It is going to cost you lots and <laughs> lots of money, Rob. <laughs> you know that. The good thing is it's actually not, though, I'm just I'm so friendly with the C1 team. That gonna, as soon as he's old enough, long time away, I'm hoping the C1's still thriving by them. I'm just going to say to the teams, right here you go, you him in the car and go and do his thing um but yeah so there so vicky's coming to brand so people are going to meet her but yeah so she works for c1 club uh, full-time now um because it got so much for me to manage because i'm still doing raw motorsport stuff you mentioned white parish garage yeah my you know my other business is a regular garage day-to-day service and maintenance yeah of regular boring horrible road cars um and within doing that and raw and all, this behind the scenes I see one making it meet and happen, it's just an unbelievable amount of admin. Spreadsheet upon spreadsheet upon spreadsheet of information and details. And when people want to do the slightest little change, and they think it's just so simple, it just the snowball effect that has on, has on every other detail is yeah, yeah. such a pain in the butt. Um, so she's taken on a, a load of that responsibility now. Working with your wife. New challenge though in <laughs> itself, <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool. You know, we we definitely found a way to work to now though So it was difficult at first, but we've we've got through that. And we're good. Dream team, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's working really well. Um, so yeah, that's that's cool. Um, yeah, it's, um. Long live C one club, eh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I love it. I I do. And even on the other side of the fence, yes, I miss racing it. I do because I love racing these things so much. I still get a buzz at running the event and seeing these cars doing what they're doing. Already. And especially, it's hard, because like anything, you hate not to have favourites. And I don't, but me and you got the same opinion. Which it's li- I, have, it's I li- have that problem it's as well. <laughs> it's, it's little blue in it? There and there's something about that car. There is. I mean, to be um, fair,
0: so, uh, well, you say little blue... Quattro Formaggio the fantastic little car I've got my
1: favourite team in Scudero Polo Rosso yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know what, what? it's all because they're original right Yeah. so they're 2017 guys you know for me that they know me from Sailor V. yeah you know um, so we've got a great relationship we're good friends um, and I love seeing it's those teams the, the big corporate teams that do it are brilliant and I yeah, yeah, love absolutely. it and they're, they're so good you know Emacs has been here forever Finn. Lives and breathes C1. You know, you've got a C1 as a daily vehicle. We, he's, he's
0: I- we, we, he take, we obviously take the piss out of him on the live stream for <laughs> having <Hammond, laughs> the book. The, the little strategy. book and
1: all that. And God, he's brilliant, you know. Yes. And he, he is literally C1's his life. And he's so passionate. BPC, again, just massive, huge C1 team and big characters in the pit. Absolutely, yeah. But for me, it's about Scuderio, Quattro, small little teams just with enough people to just about do the pit stops you know, Skeeteria, Polarossa, it's always about the girls, you know, mm-hmm. they just bring their, their partners along and expect these two girls to work out the strategy, do the fueling, change the tyres, do the cars. But or the
0: they w- and they were doing that at the 24 <laughs> hours. That was heartbreak. Race. We both had to, w- the the weird thing was, yeah. and, and the quite sweet thing, I'm quite an emotional guy as well. Yeah, I yeah. mean, Sam Pierce, friend of uh, the podcast, calls me, gave me the nickname The Emotional Viking because of the beard, the long hair, and the <laughs> fact that I get proper emotional at times, with yeah. especially with racing. And, the fact that we both had to walk away virtually in tears when they had to
1: retire that third engine,
0: the third engine, and the Don't. fact that they retired from the twenty four hour Don't. race, that that almost broke me. Yeah, um, having to deliver that news on the live
1: stream as yeah, well. Yeah, that sucked. That and
0: was
1: cool. It's it's club racing, but that's how sucked in you get. Yeah, to it, it is. It. that's why I love little teams like that, you know those guys and you know got gotcha a small team, and they're there, they're punching. They just they they're so fast, you know, and they got. When it all goes, but then they, they just use that, th- that, they lose that little bit of luck. Yeah, and you think that's not fair. They just need that little bit. And of And but that's the thing about mm-hmm. racing: fifty percent of it is luck. With, with C one, God, you know, you, you can get, you can be doing great, have a tiny bit of bad luck on the safety car, and it's all over. It's not all over, but you, you lost that then chance of winning because it's so close at the front. Yeah, yeah these races minimum of three hours, and all the time we got f- at least five cars racing for the finish line after three hours and you think god some series don't do that after 15 minutes well yeah exactly you know, I mean there, yeah. are there,
0: there are some races where after 15 minutes you've got a leader that's cleared off into yeah. the distance and it's, it's we look di- at the
1: 24 hour every year it's become it's an actual door ding dong race to well the well I mean line. The, the, the 24 hours this year obviously
0: we, we mentioned it briefly
1: earlier for sure
0: it did end I mean I, I can remember obviously the podium started and by the time I got upstairs the result had changed yeah exactly yeah um there was a bit, I mean, the live stream didn't tell the, the, the whole story. Unfortunately, there was a bit going on behind the scenes with it being deliberated. Mm. But Emacs, Glenn Finn was one of the first to say, well done, Trojan.
1: For sure. It was um, the right decision. And, and, the, and, and the Glenn th-
0: was brilliant about that. Um, and and, and st- uh, I think the whole the, the whole paddock understood and, uh, and Emacs understood. And they came yeah. back at the next round and they're still here. And it's yeah, exactly, a fantastic yeah, team that's come together. And
1: yeah, um, It's a shame that happened. But it's, it's also a
0: testament to how competitive the series is when it came down to that on the last three minutes yeah. of a twenty four
1: hour 24 race. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? It's so good though. I love that. That yeah. pressure after twenty four hours is amazing. Especially if the drivers can still do it. Absolutely. You know, they both of those teams uh, I didn't think it was the right strategy, but they are both doing and I've never done that strategy, they're both doing qualifying lap times for twenty four hours. They were. And just hats off to them for that. People don't th- People are going to think that's nah, easier. Only driving a shopping car. It's not easy it's to get that pace out of It's easier to do three minutes around and GP in one of these cars, I think. Yeah. You can just do it if you're getting a rhythm, you're getting a flow. But to do the two fifty eights, which again doesn't sound fast, I understand. But to do that time, it's the little one percent to every in those extra two seconds. But maintaining that, God, it's difficult. It's the concentration, the
0: the mental side of it as well. Yeah. And fatigue plays a big part yep. and it all these all these little bits these li- little extra tenths of, of yeah. performance mm. and the extra one percent is really add up yeah, and, yeah. and the fact there's so many teams at the top I mean even this year you've said that the quality and the standard of cars has come up there's almost a new professionalism that's creeped into yeah it is um, I- into the series
1: and that's great that helps everyone you know no one wants to repair their car and because the car standards coming up and up people are now given that racing room that bit of respect, bit of race and room. And you know, I'm really hot on the damage, you know. If I see a car two meters a row have the same damage, I'll say to them, right, look, with respect, come on. Mm-hmm. Take it to a body shop, get it fixed. If you can afford, you know, sixteen hundred quid race entry, you can afford a couple hundred quid repair on the car. Mm. you know, get it get it looking nice again. And yeah. if the, if you're driving a nice car, you've got the pride of a nice car, you look at the silver lake cars, you know, they weren't great, you know. They'd have a little dent, a bit of tape, and maybe just go with it. This year, those cars are like brand new every time out. I think that's the Greg Rose effect. Yeah, it's a Greg Rose <laughs> effect. But that's how <laughs> it should be, right? And you've also got that with um, uh, well a lot of other teams are like that, you know. Yeah. If Little Blue gets the mark it's repaired every time. Um, uh, Team Brit, every time Matt Parks rolled that car out, it's brand new. It's know. immaculate, yeah. Um, so it should be, and it's, it's lovely to see it like that. And you know, it's people taking pride in their cars, um, which I love. That's, it's good, good side of club racing makes for good racing as well. People give each other the room. Absolutely.
0: Well, thank you for chatting to us on it's the uh, Driving Talk podcast. It's yeah, been, a been very, cool. it's been a very long
1: chat, and I'm looking forward
0: to getting this out on the socials. Yeah, definitely. Hope it's not um, too boring, for people. But,
1: um, no, no. Uh, it's, it's it's. And leading on, you know, as I said, any. Any questions about anything I've done? BMWs, um, C1 stuff, anything. You know, I'm open book. I've got, I've got nothing to hide, and I'll tell anyone anything. I want Absolutely. Want good racing, you know.
0: So uh, yeah, don't forget to look up C1 Racing Club and uh, yeah. Robin Welch. Robin, thanks for joining us on no, the that pod. Was cool, man. See you later. Thanks.